Well, welcome everyone to Hotline League, episode 12. We've got so much stuff to talk to you about today. It's week three of NALCS. It's all done. We're heading into week four. We're going to be talking about all that. Uh, how's Golden Guardians going to move on now that they've lost their coach? Obviously, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, there's all sorts of crazy stuff happening in League of Legends scene. Hotline League starts now. Hotline League is brought to you by Omen by HP. There we go. The new <laughs> to the show. I did it. Oh my god! As a as a one man content uh, machine producing machine, this stuff is uh, it's very complicated. Of course, I'm joined right now. Uh, I'm by, still in shock. Hold on, give me another ten minutes to catch up. <laughs> by, by my constant co-host, Mark Zimmerman. How's it going, Mark? Pretty good. Uh, I am rocking the new Omen headset yes yes you are we'll be talking about that in just a moment uh kelby may how you been uh i'm doing very well had a had a lot of really good um warhammer games this weekend saw some good lcs uh i'm I'm in a great state yeah that's good i'm glad (laughs) glad to hear it i you there was a time where you would not have said that after watching lcs um, for for the audience, I'm saying it's good. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. There were some fun games. All right, that's what yeah, comes yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. And we should say, of course, as as Twitch chat is pointing out, that yes, uh, Mark is using his new Omen headset, but the audio is not from the microphone because of technical issues we're having on our end. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's the audio quality. We're getting through the show, and then we'll fix it uh, before the next one. Uh, you know, I, I like to start off the show with a little bit of an anecdote, and today's anecdote was I got to go hang out with Avli May's mother and grandmother today, and it was hilarious. Fantastic people. I see how Avli became such a fantastic person, uh, but it was just great. The stories that I heard uh, that she would kill me if I talked about on stream, and she was very embarrassed the entire time. It was fantastic. I thought that was her sister and mother. No. That was actually oh. her mother and grandmother. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Could have fooled me. Yeah. Oddly, I'm not the one making the joke. <laughs> Kelby is. All right. Either way. Who's joking? Yeah. It was just, it was just, uh, it was cool to, to meet. It, I'd like to interview her mom because her mom is coming to LCS later this split. And it's actually really fun to talk to people who are uh, involved in the lives of these different League of Legends figures. Um, in fact,. I wasn't going to say anything, but I'll tease this out. I may or may not have interviewed Doublelift's girlfriend this past weekend as well. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes. I think it's actually going to be pretty cool. Resident sleeper. Well, no, it's going to be good. That's the that's the thing is I want my goal. Okay, so the way that I – the same thing is, is what happened with the vlog or the behind the scenes that I put out. I want everybody to have one expectation and then be surprised. And so I think people will say – this interview is uh, why are you interviewing girlfriends? That's boring. It's actually going to be pretty good. I'm excited about it. Any response? No response. Okay. Well, let's, let's I, two thumbs up. Let's get. Yeah. I've already talked about it. Let's get into the show. Um, maybe the best way to do this is to uh, just chat a little bit about any of the interesting stuff that we saw this past week. Um, and one of the things that I kind of want to start the show off with before we get into callers, just to whet everybody's appetite and get people get people thinking about stuff, is that it feels to me, and Mark, you tell me if I'm wrong, that we're just going to start to see the old teams rise again. 
So Team Liquid looks good. CLG's now went 0-3. Now they're 3-3. Uh, TSM coming back. Uh, and, of course, Cloud9 has looked pretty consistent since the start of the split. So, you know, do you do you think that that's what we're starting to see? Pretty much. I don't know about CLG as, as much. They had two wins, but they were both kind of still a little shaky. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still going to keep my eye on CLG, but it does look like... They will probably be a playoff team. If I had to, if I was a betting man, I would say yes, they will make playoffs. Uh, TSM, I think, will rebound completely and just be pretty good again. And then Team Liquid and C9 have been crushing all split. So Echo Fox is now one of the older teams, too. They're like the kind of transition team, right? Yeah, they're like, like the 50 perfect middle. Kind of, yeah, because yeah, they were not an old guard team, but they came in before all these new NBA teams. Yeah. So, what, what do you we... guys think? Oh, oh go ahead, tell me. I was going to say. Uh, I, I agree with Mark. I think that based on what I've seen so far, PSM is looking to me like, I, and it's no surprise, um, as I think we've said since week one, they're doing the rebound. CLG, yeah, based on their games too, I'm not as convinced yet that they are going to necessarily be super strong contender um, later in the season. TL looks real clean. TL's games look super nice. Um, C9's too generally... I am kind of starting to grow some concerns for Echo Fox. Um, even in their wins, uh, some of the stuff just doesn't look super great. And I've said from the start, like, I want to see what happens to that team when they hit some adversity in the road. And they really haven't yet. Like, what do they look like after an O2 week? Um, and 100T, I think, is... I think 100T is around. I think 100T is not a pretender. <laughs> I think they're a contender. Even when we say contender, yeah. generally we're referring to contending for the top spot. You think? No. Okay. I think they're a contender Playoff for contender. semifinals. Okay. For sure. Like, I think they could very easily be a semifinals, maybe even a finals team. Um, Someday, actually, though, has been, like, mm. not looking very good to me at all. And, like, you know, I don't play league as much as I used to and stuff, for sure. But I, he's just, I don't know, not looking like the someday that I know. Hey Kelby, you want to put a veto on Travis eating? Uh, a hard, hard veto. I, mean, on I don't know, I man. I think we can I mute the microphone. We can, you guys can't hear it. <laughs> we can do production during the show. We can eat during the show. I mean, we can yeah. we can eat if if we want, but like I might just head out there and get like a burrito real quick. I'll be back in like fifteen minutes. <laughs> uh, I don't have veto power. This is between you two. Yeah, I mean, we're awake. We're, 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 we're awake. Like what? This delicious meal. And, we're waiting 16 uh, hours a day, and you have to eat during the two the that viewer, we're live. I just finished, the meal just finished. The viewers want to see me happy. That's It adds to the good I don't think that's what they want. I think they're here for League of Legends, not a mukbang or whatever the Mark. hell you're trying to turn this into. Mark. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about something else. All right. Let's talk about some real shit. Yeah. Okay. Some real shit. Uh, well, but, but I, I want to know think... what you guys think about Echo Fox versus 100T in regards uh, to like longevity. I think 100 Thieves is weird. I feel like there's a bit of a skill ceiling with that team that I'm concerned. Like, Ryu will never be the best at this position. Cody won't be the best at this position. Someday could have been, but he's ever since he's come to North America, it feels like he just doesn't quite synergize with the teams ever quite right, and he's not beating Hauntzer or anyone who is good in lane. So it it has, like, they, they are obviously a calm team that they can play the mid and late game out fine. But I just don't know if like over a five game series, they're going to have the skill to match up with teams like team liquid who like have all that synergy and then they'll just booty blast you too. 
Travis. Well, I, don't, I think Echo Fox is going to keep it going. And I think okay. we'll see Hunter T start to drop down. Okay. Gotcha. Because I think Echo Fox has more brute force. Yeah. And sheer star power and all that stuff. And I and I'm yeah. I'm no longer I'm hopping off the this team is gonna explode cliche. I'm I don't know if it's a cliche after Dardock's done it how many times. No, 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 but it's a cliche because literally everyone is like Anytime anybody asks about the analysis of for NALCS to split, everybody's like, well, you've got this team and this team and this team. And then you've got Echo Fox. And if I can just say, I oh, think yeah. that that team is going to be very good until they explode. You know, I've said it a million times. That's yeah. I'm actually just mocking myself whenever I say that. Sure, sure. So I, mean, I, just, I think it's becoming a cliche. People are talking about it too much. All right. So if we want to talk about like in-game issues beyond that, like Phoenix seems like he's the same player he's always been. I know I already pulled a guy in, so I'll hold off on this a little bit. But he's always been mechanically good in lane, but then he just makes like some boneheaded plays. I think that's cropped up a lot in the last week and a half. Their bot lane uh, is good, but they're streaky. So sometimes they just don't look good at all. And then obviously the whole team is just prone to those kind of like 50 50 all in super hard plays when they don't need to do them and they lost their first game because of that. So I think there are a lot of things you can say that that might struggle, cause struggles. That's fair. Beyond just like, we all hate each other now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. I just feel like overall they've they've looked stronger than Hunter T and and maybe we'll see Mm -hmm. that continue. But you're right. Maybe people will figure stuff out and I don't know. Uh, The other topic to discuss, and I, I think. Uh, you know, kind of the circumstances surrounding it have made me. I talked to Mark a little bit before the show, and I think uh, the best way to talk about the Golden Guardian situation is to say, look, there's a lot of uh, conversation around it. I don't think this is the best forum or venue to speculate on how things went. Now the, not all the facts are out and like that. So the best way really to address the conversation, I think, happy to talk about this type of thing with the callers as well, but it's more around. What happens next? So yeah. they lost Loco Doco. Not a, all the the knowledge of what went on is there. But now Golden Guardians has to figure out what to do because they're zero six. They don't have a coach, um, or rather, they have the second coach has stepped up. Are they going to keep that guy? Are there other coaching op- opportunities out there? Uh, and I think what I would say is I'm really interested to see them try to pick up Cop. And Mark, I'm very curious what you think of that idea. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't mind giving the guy that they got a little bit of a chance, maybe first. Uh, and even then, like, it's hard to evaluate anyone with that roster. I feel like they need to make upgrades if they want to be competitive. Um, and if you're just looking for long-term growth, then, like, I think you should try and find a coach who's known for that or suitable for that, which I don't know if there really are that many. So maybe Cop's a good option. But, like, the guy they have was an analyst for – Immortals and Fnatic when they were with Hooney Rainover during those points and they had those really dominant splits. And then he was on Phoenix One all last year, I believe. So he has been around for a while. And I, I think I wouldn't mind giving him a chance and see how good he does. Whereas like cops, I think more of a known quantity. Cause it sounds like they're giving their whole team like a chance to grow. Why not give the coaching staff a chance to grow too? Yeah, not, the problem is you're okay. not making playoffs. How and and maybe I'll I'll address this to Kelby. Kelby, how bad is it for the team if they go zero and 18 the split and how much should you try to avoid that right because 
and and here's i think we can do this bit big rant about it or this big discussion about it and then i'd love to hear from the callers about all this stuff because i think my thoughts are you know before golden guardians came out and and started playing they announced their roster and they said look we're we're long-term uh thinkers here and we are trying to plan for the long term and we are a development team so we're going to pick up uh these players we're not going to import any players and we're going to try to think about growing them so that they are are good long term and i think everybody at points in time have said matt has moments where he's really good and should be better Lorlo has moments where he's really good, should be better. You look at Team Liquid players in the past, and like half the league has been on Team Liquid at one point in time and all seem to perform better after leaving Team Liquid. So they were good pickups. You bring in High, who's got all this leadership experience. There's a, a story there uh, that I think is a good one. The Did problem they? is is that the culture and NALCS, because of relegation, has created this idea that like if you are losing a lot, you suck. And by the way, you probably won't be around anymore, right? So I feel like the audience has now been trained that the team that's losing a lot and looks bad is one to like revile and just write off because they're probably not going to be around because they're going to get relegated. And now we have a situation where let's not even talk about this weekend – but I think just even after the second weekend, they were 0-4 and people were like, Golden Guardian sucks. So that team doesn't care about what they're doing. Like the idea that if you can't win one of your first four games, your organization sucks and everything is terrible. And I don't I don't necessarily think that's the case. However, it does. I am shocked at like the negative vibe around that team, given what their strategy is. And it, it and I even feel it, too, when I look at them and I suspect that you just like how long can you go? losing a bunch of games before you have have to win. So my one thing before Kelby answers is, is that actually something that the team has ever communicated? Cause I know it's a storyline we've pushed, the outside is pushed, but like, is there a document or an interview that I missed where it's Yeah, like- I think I feel like if you look at the interviews that Hunter and Kirk did, they said that they were building for a long-term situation okay. and rather than trying to get, you know, all these these top tier players and rush to top tier talent, they were fine going with the long term. And that this kind of mirrors Golden State Warriors strategy in the past of like looking for rookies or undervalued talent and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to speak too much because I'm an NBA noob, but that I live very least. I also know that that kind of plays into the broader GSW story. So, Kelby, what do you think of all that? And also, mm. how badly does this team like? If you are Golden Guardians, you don't have to worry about relegation. You are you want to just prove your you're like we're fine losing spring because by the way, spring doesn't really mean much. And if you don't yeah. plan on going to Worlds, like it means almost nothing. At least going to Worlds in your first year because you're not trying to build for the first year; you're trying to build for the second. So how bad is it if you lose all your games and how much do you need to avoid doing that if it doesn't really matter based on your strategy? So it's a it's a couple parts here that I would address. Like having you know, having run CLG for a couple years, there are times in the house where it's like dependent on personality, it can have a really, really large impact on what the rest of the sentiment within the team is and who like just the makeup of your Orgus. I don't know the personalities on all of that on the whole roster really well. I would hope that Hi and Matt, from his experience, those two would maybe be kind of more the leaders in that role to kind try and kind of help 
keep the team's morale and atmosphere up. I know from, you know, other players and and knowing high that like in general, he's pretty good at keeping things fun while being a professional player. Um, that being said, golden guardians has looked pretty bad in six games and like it's, it's, it's hard at a certain point, especially because these guys are all really competitive people. You don't get to the pro level without being a competitive person to like, you know, not feel pretty shitty. And I don't know how they are in regards to reading and interacting with sentiment, but um, the, the, the other thing too, that I think that is not helping the situation is that I don't see a lot of content or anything coming out from the organization to kind of help dictate the message and what's going on um, aside from the typical Twitter feed. Like I would like to see something from them to address what is going on with the team situation. What's the philosophy? How are things changing? Getting some opportunity to interface with the players because right now the only message that your organization is sending out is their LCS results. And that's not a very positive message, right? Um, I would love to see something from them that obviously, even if you continue to lose, you can help tell a lighter, some sort of building towards the future side of the story. Um, the focus on the North American talent understanding like, Hey, if we're committed to this vision, we understand in the short term while other teams are spending money to bring in top imports and all these other things. Uh, that we are going to suffer competitively, but people are bought in, right? I'm I'm selling the ideal version of this scenario. Right. I don't know that that's actually the way it is internally, but you know, like everybody is bought in. We're okay. We have we are completely pushing into this narrative that you have identified, Travis. Right, where we're not afraid because of the fact that relegation doesn't exist anymore. We believe that in the long term, this strategy will play out because ultimately. Uh, we want to see North America succeed as a region and we want to invest in the development of North American talent and seeing them succeed on the larger stage. But there's, there's not anything like that going out right now yet. Um, granted we're three weeks into LCS. These guys just got formed as organizations and now they've been struck the blow of, you know, not having their head coach around any longer. Um, but yeah, I think that to get back to answering your original question, it's probably really rough for the morale of the team and their games haven't looked really good. And uh, without having, without being in that atmosphere, I don't know how it, how it gets turned around. Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, here's a question for you. Yeah. If, because Mark, or which one of you guys said, Oh yeah, I think it was Mark that said, maybe if your whole plan is to develop talent, you're also going to just, say okay we're gonna to start to develop this coach as well um tyler sure. i believe his name is and <laughs> and so you you stick around with this coach alternatively uh sorry there's a creature under my desk alternatively you can say oh, we can't go 018 it's just too much of a hit for the fans and the the team and so you try to bring in somebody like cop or I, actually, I mean, if I'm also open to just who, what else, who else could they get as a as a coach because they need to replace them. Right. So I, one is like, do you do you worry about this, and do you try to like 
just find, you know, cop cop's whole thing is that he can like figure out the meta before anybody else and bring out some picks and bans or some crazy pick and ban and strategy that will help the team win. It'll probably be even better in a best of one environment. So do you try to grab cop because you're like, we just need to get a couple wins, or do you just sit double down on the it's it's okay? Or do you get a different if, coach? If you're developing this coach, it is super hard to have somebody learn that by trial of fire if they've never led a group of professional players. You can ask Zixlal about this exactly. Well, thing. I mean, or Mark, right? Yeah. Mark, weren't you basically in the situation too? Uh, it's pretty different because when I joined, I was the only like staff member who had any responsibility towards like in-game things. It was like I was the analyst and like, Eventually, I hired other guys who were offsite, and then like season five, Peter came in. Uh, but for a while, it was just me, and I didn't have like a huge authority role for most of season four. Yeah. Whereas like this guy has been on season five, Fnatic when they had Dealer and they had Jarge on that team, and then he was on Immortals when they had uh, Dylan Falco and some other people, and Weldon I think helped out for a little bit. I don't know, but he's he's been in like structured environments before, and Phoenix One as well. So he's has been around enough leadership i would hope you know maybe not living in during his earlier years but he was pre more present in his later years like at the very least he should have an idea of how teams run it's not like a complete trial by fire um and so you know part of it is you do eventually need to get your hands down and dirty where you're the guy and the players look to you so yeah i mean if this isn't the right time just because the team is bad then like well who's gonna hire you <laughs> like yeah. like we have a great team but we just need this guy who's never done it before yeah yeah it depends entirely, I think you're right, Mark, on how much he has gotten to witness coaches leading other professional players. Because that is commanding respect from pro talent, as you know, is the hardest part of the job. Um, not necessarily your ideas about the game or how you implement it or what your, pra your methods are for practice. It is commanding respect from the pro players and getting them to take you seriously and listen to you and trust in your method and what you're doing yeah i don't know i think it's interesting i think they should get cop i think you just can't go zero and 18 they like that would be yeah, a well, history yeah. setting situation like they they set a record in NALCS. i believe no one has ever gone right mark i'm not crazy here no one's ever gone undefeated everybody wins at least one. i think one one yeah. in 17 is the worst and it was coast yeah i okay. believe so so if you're golden state warriors and if you're these players, I just even even with the mantra that the stuff is going to take a while, I just think you can't go zero eighteen. It just sets too bad of a, a score. And like even even like the one and seventeen or the two and sixteen, like that that actually does put you in a better place. And by the way, if you can get a, a coach like cop or something like that who can pitch you ninth place, you can force optic down or you can force clutch down. By winning just a couple of games or maybe a key match against them. So, so I have a question. You keep saying like bring cop in and do this because you can't go zero eighteen. Like, do you not feel like there should be some pressure to change the players out if that's your mentality? No, because there. What if cop can't get you there? Yeah, if cop can't get you there, I don't know. Um, because I think you it's too it's too late to change. Like, you bring in cop for week four, maybe week five if you can't get him for week four. And then, you know, that's nine weeks. Like, you can't, you're going to have him for a couple of weeks and then you're going to make a player change at the very, like, by that point in time, it's just too late. You're going to go 0 18 and you're screwed. Um, but I think, 
you know, they seem to be wanting to bet on the players. They were also, you know, they had a coach in place. They lost him. So now their formula is like downgraded because presumably they had a head coach and Tyler wasn't the head coach for a reason. So now you bring in somebody else to kind of like bring you back up to the baseline that you were at before, at least. That's my thoughts. So let's uh, we'll get we'll open up the line to some callers here in just a second. But really quickly, I want to talk about uh, something really cool. We kind of addressed this at the start of the show as I throw their logo up on screen. Uh, something really, really cool happened. Um, I it kind of goes back to Worlds last year where right beforehand uh, Omen uh, by HP and I spoke a little bit and they actually hooked Broden and I up with some laptops to help us while we were producing content over there. Uh, then Ovly, myself and Broden got to do some really cool stuff with them at BlizzCon as well. And over the course of time, we just kind of started to talk more and more and they be, it turned out that they are actually really big fans of Hotline League. They like the show. And we didn't have a sponsor. And thus, you know, one plus one equals two. Uh, Omen came in as the sponsor. And they're launching as the sponsor for the show um, or for the show on this episode. So thank you very much to them. Uh, just a little bit of a spiel about them for those that don't know. Uh, basically, you know, the really cool thing is that this is, this is actually a grassroots show it's a community show and normally a really big brand like that doesn't necessarily need to come in on something like this because they can partner on something much much bigger but in this situation they really saw the value of of the show and the content and they wanted to come in and help it out which is is really neat of them and i think you can kind of look around at some of the other gaming brands in the space and see you know these guys might just go to an agency and say yeah just buy some pre-roll buy some banner ads or whatever. But since Omen came in uh, to the scene, into the esports scene and, and really the gaming scene, because they're a relatively new new brand um, in the gaming world, they've hit the ground running. Um, and again, not only are they sponsoring stuff like this, but they're also sponsoring Overwatch League and uh, all, all sorts of other situation teams around the world. So it's, it's really to see, neat to see them coming in and not just being like, oh, esports is a big thing. We're just going to buy some banner ads. Um, and I think in talking to them, they actually really have competitive gaming in their mindset whenever they are building all their hardware and kind of figuring how they want to approach this stuff. And so it's kind of neat in that since they came around at a time when esports was getting big, they recognize that this is kind of the future of gaming and this is something they really want to support. Uh, it's it's kind of neat to see that level of sponsor come into the space. And so anyway, again, they sent me a bunch of cool stuff including a laptop and a desktop and monitor accessories. Uh, again, Mark is using their headset right now. It's really neat. I'm going to say that like a lot of times I think people get gear and then they just take a paycheck and ultimately they don't like the gear. Uh, I've been really, really enjoying the stuff that they sent me. They didn't tell me to say, you know, recommend this if, you know, you have to recommend it. I'm recommending it based off of my experience with it. Uh, one of the neat things was they actually have like a hard drive bay up in the front of the, the desktop. So whenever I had my old computer, I was just able to take the hard drive out, pop it in this little thing and slide it in. Uh, it's it's kind of a cool system. And so anyway, yeah, I just you can know now that whenever I'm creating basically any content, including the show that's going to be going off of uh, Omen stuff. So I really appreciate it. Uh, sort of to celebrate this, by the way, I'm going to drop the link into chat. If you're watching on YouTube, you can check the description as well. 
Uh, there's a giveaway that we're doing. I'm sure you guys have seen these before. You have a chance to win some Omen accessories. It's going to run through next week, so I'll talk about it on the show next week as well. Uh, but you can sign up for it at there, and this is kind of their way of saying uh, of celebrating the partnership with the show and all that stuff. So again, really thank them. Uh, Mark will now get paid. Uh, that's kind of a cool thing. Uh, Kelby will not get paid um, because you have to hit like a certain level of quality uh, as a as a co-host on this show in order to get paid. And you know he's working his way there. You know. Yeah, but people- since but since I'm not paid, can I enter the giveaway? Yes, you can enter the giveaway. So and it would actually be hilarious and somewhat <laughs> sketchy if you win. Uh, but, but we will. I believe the winners. We'll talk are, about that after the show. Don't yeah, worry. yeah. I believe the winners are supposed to get announced next week. Uh, so. We'll find out if Kelby uh, wins there. But again, if you're watching the VOD, it'll be in the YouTube description. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, go find it on YouTube. Or maybe I'll, I'll try and uh, tweet out a link as well. But I'll put it one more time into the, the Twitch chat as well. So thanks so much to them. And I think everybody that knows that I've been trying to make this work independently rather than going back to another major media company can kind of appreciate the fact that, you know, sponsors coming in and really helping make this kind of grassroots content work. So thank you so much to Omen. All right, now that we have uh, ended our sponsored spiel for the episode, Mark, do you want to explain how the call-in segment works? Absolutely. So if this is your first time watching the show, we have a Discord where people are going to be able to join to share their opinions. I'm posting it in chat right now. You're going to want to go there. And when you get there, there is going to be both text and voice channels. You need to join the voice channel. So if I decide to use you, I can pull you down to the waiting room. Uh, and then in the general text channel, you're going to post your question or ideally your topic that you want to talk about. Questions are weak. We want to hear your opinion. So, you know, let me know. I think this team's not going to make it. I think this player is going to struggle, yada, yada, yada. And if I like it, you get pulled down to the room and then eventually you get on air and you get to debate the great Kelby May and Travis Gafford. The great Kelby May. And by the way, Phoenix the Fiery and... Uh, Twitch chat says, hey, can someone in chat tell me what Kelby does at the moment? I've been trying to figure that out for a while. Kelby, do you want to explain for everyone? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, my title is director of sponsorship strategy and fulfillment at Twitch. What that means is uh, I'm the guy at Twitch who helps out some of our larger partner team with sponsorships that we sell for them. So we have a sales relationship with some of the big teams that you know. And uh, I work with teams on their sponsorship deals. So like I help TSM out with Gillette. Um, I help TM Liquid out with a couple of their deals. And I help Evil Geniuses out uh, with all of their deals. Um, Yeah, so that's what I do. But Kelby does not help me with my deals, just to be clear. Right. Do we want to get into that, Travis? Do we want to? So Kelby, Kelby. it's, It's interesting. It's like much like you need to be a talented host to get paid, you need to be a competent content creator to get paid so yeah. that's why you know it's, it's neither of them are helping each other yeah. out omen thankfully <laughs> helping out the incompetent content creator travis Gaffey. yeah that's took pain yeah, myself included obviously hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah both of us yeah. uh no kelby i whenever i became independent i asked kelby if he would help me um and kelby said agreed but he wanted a payment pl- plan that i did not agree with what was the payment plan, Travis? He wanted for every thousand dollars he made me, I had to play one hour of Dota two with him. One Dota game. I think you said one. Uh, was it one Dota game? I think you said one. One hour. Dota game per thousand dollars. Yeah. Either the way, difference. some of those games can go long. They can. Yeah. So you could be you could be stuck at longer an hour a game there. Yeah. 
Either way, uh, we should be getting questions from the chat in just a second, but really quickly, if you are a sub, uh, and sometimes it takes a little bit of sync to sync with Discord, so please be patient, but there's also a sub chat for you to post your question in, and it does give you a, a bit of a, a better chance at getting pulled, because we, we check that, uh, and it moves a little slower, so uh, there you go. Yeah. Mark, do you want to grab our first friend for the day? Yes, please. It's 45 minutes in. Let's get some people on here. Yeah. We started late. <laughs> like it's Mark, not, it's not Mark 45. Is, Mark is sassy today. We, start, like we started late, yeah. He's very aggressive to me. You know? <laughs> it's like, I can't eat. I'm not even allowed to eat, you know? I like when you asked me to help Vito with yeah. <laughs> against you eating. That's yes. funny. Fantastical 2 is on the show. Fantastical 2, where oh, are you calling wow. from? Uh, I'm from Seattle. Oh, I can't hear them. What the fuck? Oh, but we can hello, hear you. Hello, fantastical. Can you hear us? Can you uh, hear us? Yeah, I can now. Okay, we're okay. Good. I think um, you're fantastical too. You know, dropping the f bomb right yeah, when you join like the show. Fifteen, I, I thought. One way we to can say fuck on here, can't we? Yeah, yeah, you know, or can we not say because it's Omen now? Let's let's just be we corporate now. Yeah. Word, my bad. Fantastical. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Fantastical. What uh, would you like to talk about on the show? I think that Phoenix is underrated. Okay. Why do you like, think where this? where would you put Phoenix? Where do you think people see him and where would you put him? Yeah, that's a good good point. Yeah. Uh that's kind of hard to say just cuz like the talent level in general for like all lanes across the NALCS has grown a lot recently, so like I don't know if number positions do well, but I'd put him in the top tier, whatever the whatever that means. Like top 3? Uh no, How, who do you put in the like, top tier with him? Like Beard, probably Pope, uh, put Jensen in there. Um, really hard to stay on like Fabivin or. Because the problem is the more people you put in there, you're like the top tier is now becoming half the LCS, you know? So you That's to... what I'm saying is that it's just become so like overloaded with skill. Like in the past, it was like, you know, Beard was just dicking kids left and right. And now it's like, I don't know, they're all good. So would you I say. Would you say that a lot of people don't think Phoenix can go up against the best, but you're saying he can? Yeah, I think a lot of people would put him in like the second or even third tier. But um, on the second stream for Riot Games, they had uh, Fabivan and Power of Evil. Power of Evil. And they were saying like Phoenix just absolutely clapped him with his Azir, which he's always been known to be really good with. But they were saying that he's like, just much better than they had ever anticipated and that uh like along with Pobelter he's kind of been in the shadows with a lot of other players and so I was just thinking like everyone sees Echo Fox as this team of like Huni plus Dardock and just you know like rolling over other kids but uh Huni has always had like a really good mid laner at his back to like have pressure somewhere else on the map so that he can go wild and do whatever he wants and so that was like Fabivin and Pobelter in the past. And I guess, you know, Faker's pretty good too, I guess. Um, and so, like, I think Phoenix is really part of the thing that enables him to, like, be able to go crazy. And he's, like, he's really undervalued, I think, by a lot of people. And if you look a lot of his stats, he's got crazy high DPM and all sorts of other things. So I think people don't give him his justice or whatever. Yeah. Mark, you, weird. you worked with Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know uh, his strengths and weaknesses pretty well. And I think the community perception of him has always been a little, he's always been a little underrated. Where people 
just think he's not great, whatever it is. Um, and I think he's always been mechanically capable of competing versus the top, top tier players. Um, and I think he's having a good season this split, partially because he's on a team with other pressure points. And so he can play as aggressive as he wants to, um, because he is a player who has like clear weaknesses. I think where like his mid lane vision control is like not great. And that got him in a lot of trouble in the past. And I think people haven't seen Phoenix for a year and kind of forget about that. But when I watch the games, it feels very much that way where it's still an issue and maybe teams will start paying more attention to him. But if you just leave Phoenix in the lane and just say, go lane versus other guy, he'll, he'll typically lane even or better than then, no matter who he's against. Uh, and so I think what the Pope, what a uh, Fabivan and power people were saying something that a lot of people agree with right now, which is Poe Belter is like number one, pretty clearly. And then Jensen Bjergsen and Phoenix are, are like the other people in that tier. Which I would agree with. Mark, do you think that... Because I feel like when Phoenix was on his way out of LCS, he had basically fallen from grace, right? Like, he... People were like... There were moments where people were like, oh, Phoenix is a god. Like, the Mega Azir play that is maybe the most highlighted in LCS play of all that time. That was season five, bro. He left season... He ended season six. That's what I'm saying. As people remember him, there were moments where he had a big success like that. But by the time he was leaving, I feel like people were like, eh... Phoenix sucks. And so I'm kind of curious if, one, you think that's true, and two, is the Phoenix that we're seeing now, you know, this Phoenix that everyone cheered for and thought was pretty good? I don't think he ever changed too much. Maybe he got worse in Season 6 at the end of it a little bit, but what happens in League is, like, when you're on a good team, you just look much better. Like, they're not punishing you. If you're the only threat on the team, like, that's where all the resources go, that's where they focus on and the jungler doesn't have to be two places at once because you're the only threat. And so when you end up on a bad team, you look bad or you look worse. And so season six summer, Team Liquid was like pretty bad. Like they had Fabi, Darnock was getting subbed out. They brought in like two random people. It was a, uh, who was the jungler they brought? Arc second, who's not even a jungler. And then they brought in Jinth or something. And like, yeah. That's that's that famous part from Breaking Point where people think Phoenix has a bad attitude, but he was just like, who the fuck are my team? Like, who am I playing with? Who are these guys? And so he was kind of like, you know, on a team that didn't have many other pressure points. And like I said, he has a very, I will dominate my lane play style. And if he doesn't ward well, and if he's no, the no, only no, threat in the team. A jungler. What? He was saying he was making a dumb joke and I will dominate. Oh. Joke. I really appreciate oh. it. Fantastic. No, I'm sorry. I was, a, I was in full tangent mode, yeah. so I didn't get it. But either way, he was on a team that he probably was playing a little worse. He, he probably had to deal with more internal stuff than he wanted to deal with. Um, and it sounded like he wasn't particularly happy just as a person at that point with, like, not sure how he wanted, what he wanted to do with his career. Um, so I think a couple factors led up to him looking worse. But then I think he's mostly been the same player the whole time. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so... Final verdict here. Fantastical says he is underrated. Mark, it sounds like you think he's always been a little underrated, and you kind of agree with the statement? Yeah, I think, like, if you ever tell me Phoenix is the best player for mids, I'd be like, you're crazy. Um, but if you think, you know, he can go toe-to-toe with any mid individually, then I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kelby, I know that you, Not, you've you taken I a break from Mark- league in the past, so I don't know, you know, what your historical references on Phoenix, but I'm kind of curious after you've been watching him lately, do you think he's pretty good or do you think, you know, he doesn't deserve to be up there with Bjergen and Jensen and all those guys? I mean, so far, yeah, no, I think Mark's assessment obviously and his experience with him is 
spot on. And this season, he's looking great. And all of what Mark said and explaining the context makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. That was such an easy call. In the past, we've had, like last week's episode, we had combative callers saying crazy stuff. Fantastical, thank you for... You also had nice, Dash. Nice call. Yeah, Dash as well. A nice, calm discussion. And uh, hopefully things keep going well for you up in Seattle. Hell yeah, thanks. Yeah. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. Thanks, man. Look, look, isn't this what good? You know, Twitch chats being polite. Everyone's friends. This is the kind of environment I hope to continue to create. By the way, we've got a ton of subs that i got to get uh, to referencing, but we don't have time for that yet because sportsmanship has joined the call. Sportsmanship, great name, by the way. Just a fantastic Thanks. name. Where are you calling from? Where are you calling from, Sportsmanship? He died. He did. Oh, guys. No, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm good. Sorry, my headset. <laughs> I just, like, unplugged the charger. Okay. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> where, where are you calling where from? Where are you calling from? <laughs> uh, I'm calling from uh, North Carolina. I live at the beach in this uh, cool little university town. Nice. nice. Petey Pablo fan? I'm not a P- I don't even know what that is. Damn. Nice. Only 90s kids will know, man. So, or I guess that's early 2000s. I don't know. Raise it. Raise it. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. What do you want to talk about while Kelly's going crazy? <laughs> All right. So I wanted to get into the stratification of the NALCS and like specifically the mid tier, which I think is interesting and not talked about as much as the top teams and the bottom mm-hmm. teams where I think right now we've got TSM, TL, Echo Fox and C9 at the top. You've got FlyQuest, Golden Guardians and Optic at the bottom. And right in the middle of like the top four and the bottom three, you've got CLG, 100T and Clutch Gaming. And I think these are teams that aren't going to be able to compete at all in playoffs with the top four. And they're going to consistently beat the bottom three. And I think 100T is going to burn out towards the end of the split too. Because I think Meteos, Ryu, and Aphromoo all have problems with burnout. They might not make playoffs. CLG, Solo Laner is looking super inconsistent. You, you guys brought up earlier how they have three wins, but one of those is against FlyQuest, and another one's against either Optic or Golden Guardians. Those games don't really matter, and then they're one over. But one of them's against Echo Fox. Yeah, one of the, the game against Echo Fox was like 45 minutes of stall. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. One was team weird. might win. One team yeah, fight, yeah. then they won. It's like, I wasn't impressed. Yeah, so, yeah I feel you. Yeah. So, sorry, so, your mid tier, can you say your mid tier again? It was 100 Thieves, CLG, and Clutch? Yeah. Yeah. But 100 Thieves has a better record right now than TSM. Right. But TSM's wins and their trajectory, and even in their losses where they have these huge gold leads early on, they say more to me than what 100 T is doing, where like, I just haven't been like thoroughly impressed with their games. Yeah. I I personally agree with Sportsmanship's mid tier. Okay. For right now. What do you think? Uh, I might not even include Clutch Gaming. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, say. I, I I've would, been I mean, saying Clutch is in the same place as FlyQuest. Um, so at least from a, a ranking standpoint. So, so I, I guess I'm I'm going by like the end of the season where I think towards throughout the rest of the season I think Clutch Gaming consistently beats FlyQuest, Golden Guardians, and Optic. They'll take games off of and lose to CLG 100T, and then consistently are going to lose to TSM, TL, Echo Fox, and C9, which is why I put them in the mid tier. Am I crazy for thinking that Optic could be better than FlyQuest and Clutch? Uh, I think so. Yes. Okay. I don't think. I, I think they're like I think they're like one to two moves away. Like I just don't think that this roster can do it. Like 
Zig is getting bodied so hard every yeah, game. Yeah. It's like do, painful. Do you listen to Arrow's comms? Arrow's comms are hilarious. You talking about like in the mic checks? Yeah. Well, that dude's like partially crazy. I'm pretty. I sure. love it, dude. I want to. I want to see that team one more. I think. I think they could be a playoff caliber team if like they just made a couple of roster upgrades. And it's not clear what those upgrades are, given that like we're partial way through the season. Like maybe you're scooping down into academy, but I think they won't probably be a playoff team without some like they, they might be like their their losses are close. You gotta give them that. The, the 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 big point of contention here in the mid tier that I personally see is a hundred T versus CLG, which is interesting because it's Aframu versus you know his his former organization. I think that those two teams are very close in my mind. I personally, I mean, see, toward, as the season goes on, it, sorry, as the right. season goes on, I think a hundred T burns out. So I'll give it to CLG, I guess, because like I said, I don't think they're going to be consistent enough with Ryu, Aframu. And uh, Meteos all having troubles in the past with burnout. I don't see them sticking through the rest of the split. And then when one of them burns out, it's going to cause problems with the roster. Others will lose motivation. I just see that spiraling down. I just think it's hard to bet on burnout. Like Meteos shouldn't burn. You could argue Meteos shouldn't burn out because he just came off of a really nice break. And whenever Doublelift had a break last year, he came back and looked uh, pretty strong for all, all of summer. I feel like... You could almost make the opposite argument, and especially if this team continues to show pretty good results, I would say like positive results. Like I just don't, I don't think that these guys are going to be like, oh, this is so terrible. Not only that, but we're also in a best of one system, which the matches are a little less. I mean, I know it's, it's yeah, it's just, yeah. I, it's, I know that it's still like you, you play two days or whatever, but I think it is just less intimidating. Right. It's, it's less prep, I think, for sure. The difference with Doublelift and those other players I just named, though, is Doublelift, even when he burns out, which he did have troubles with the burnout, according to what he said, still looked like the best AD in NA or close to it, like at worst, second best. Whereas, like, all of the other players that are on 100T have burned out and looked like hot garbage before. Like, Reuse had a split where he looked like a bottom tier mid. Aframu's, like, inted one split, like, looked, like, really, really questionable in lane. And then, like... Meteos has like retired twice. Like, I don't. I, and then, like, I'm I'm just gonna like say one more thing and then write off because I gotta go do some homework and some oh, other okay. stuff. <laughs> uh, Golden Guardians is a trash org, and they should have picked up Visitachi and Hillisang in the off season. Uh, because they wanted to come to NA as a duo, they were looking for a team, they couldn't find one. There's no reason why Visitachi and Hillisang are still in EU and Matt and Lorlo on Golden Guardians. That's I it. Mean, I'm out. Okay. All right. Well, All right. can I ask you? Well, can I ask you one thing, sportsmanship? All right, what's up? So you you think Clutch Gaming will will take the final playoff spot? Um, if I ha- had to bet right now, I'd put it on CLG barely making it over 100T in Clutch Gaming, and I think there's no way they get out of quarterfinals. But don't you need one more if you're grabbing the top? Oh, oh yeah. So like 100T and Clutch Gaming will fight for whatever the other one is, and whichever one of them makes it won't get out of quarterfinals. But it'll be 100T or Clutch Gaming for like that okay. final slot. It's really yeah. it's I've. We've never had a, somebody hang up on us during the show. Travis, I want to keep talking to you. There's like a lot of questions here. This is good, and you're just bailing on us. Um, I'll call in next week. But well, okay, maybe we'll consider taking it. <laughs> I love you, Travis. Travis, I like Travis, this is, guy. Get, Travis is getting manhandled. Bye, sportsmanship. Thanks, dude. He he'd already muted it. Like, 
By the time, by the time you said thanks, dude, and I was saying goodbye, he'd already muted the mic and the headset. Like that's, he was just done. That's like he heard the parents coming up the stairs. And he's like, I gotta do homework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. That's crazy. I've never seen that before. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm flustered right now. All right. Should so, someone else, or do you need a minute to read subs? No, no, no. We should. We should discuss. I mean, I. We should break down what he was saying. So, first off, do we agree with? That the idea that hundred thieves is like they're just gonna burn out because I kind of disagree with that. I think that that's like a I really disagree. big leap to make because I think there's oh, like sorry. really extenuating circumstances for most of the situations mm-hmm. he talked about, and I don't even think that like Afro's poor play was because of burnout, or at least he never said that. Like it might have just been that Afro sucked during that time. Like t- players have ups and downs, so I think it's just like a. It's the type of thing where he wants to come up with the idea. He's like created an argument to, or like a reason to, to fit the argument. I feel like probably as a coach, and I don't know this. I'm just saying this based off of sentiment and feeling. I feel like probably as a coach who would be really good at helping combat burnout because of his like personality and persona. And I think also if Nade Shot stays really engaged and keeps grinding like he is, I can tell you from experience. Oh, actually, that's going to sound like way too like uh, um, self-dignifying, self-dignifying. I was uh, going to say, as, I a, say as from an e- esports <laughs> expert, I know a lot about it. <laughs> no, no, no. E-sports. I was going to say I could say from experience that when players see the owner around working hard all the time, it also helps motivates them. And that's what I was. <laughs> yeah, but I'm um, getting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, no, I wasn't going to say owner. I, I meant when like I say leader. owner, I mean like, yeah, yeah, leader. Yeah, yeah. You're going a different direction. I was when I say self dignifying. Was that was that know. not a hot shot thing? No, no. I was saying oh, I was saying because I, I used to be in the room and like working blah blah hard all the time. Oh, yeah. There's there's like a team runner role. Like we don't. It's interesting because we don't use the word GM really in esports. Right. Uh, previously, we just said owners, but that doesn't make sense in a world where like a lot of people don't own the teams anymore. But there's like a team runner term that I yeah think. like a manager just, yeah, just yeah. not general manager but just manager well but except for like people like hunter are more than just managers oh uh, so you are including hunter i thought you were saying more like the day-to-day people who are like in the the weeds with them yeah but do you think yeah. shot is that is a day-to-day guy in the weeds like no. i think that's more probably in like the other support stuff yeah that, that yeah, whatever that guy's name is in yeah. the video i can't remember but yeah that's anyways we're off topic i think the burnout thing is semi worrisome but i'd be more concerned about that in summer than spring like if these guys get burnt out of spring in a franchise on a new team that's doing all right then they should retire yeah just straight up if you can't stay motivated through a season or a split then they should probably retire yeah not to mention sorry there's a dog growling at me uh not to mention the fact this i live in a forest not to mention the fact that the interviews that I've done with these guys, I and I legitimately believe this. Sometimes people just say this, but I believe it. Like they all seem to really like each other. Like I get the feeling that the vibe on that team is like really positive. Everybody's having a good time. I don't think that's an environment you burn out on. You burn out on the teams where like nobody's talking because you're. I mean, they might burn out in a different way. You know what yeah. I mean? What? <laughs> anyway, Mark got it. Mark got it. <laughs> it's just it's just a very yeah. different environment, you know. <laughs> So I don't I don't I don't buy that. I think Hunter T will contest and I don't I don't think that if they are the mid tier, like they will be fighting to stay in the top tier and they'll, they'll be competitive. I think it'll be I think Echo Fox and Hunter T I think have the the potential to be the most interesting stories this split. 
That's what I would say. We'll see. Oh, Can we get somebody? Yeah, uh, just stall for a second because I got to read some people. Uh, but take your time. Go down there, have a conversation with them, see how they're feeling. Pick somebody who won't abandon Travis. All right, here we go. We're going to do this. We're going to do this as a speed thing. Kronumk has resubbed the consultant. Hatomaki LOL. Scooter 105. Vanilla Bear Scrub. Greg C397. Odd Polygon has subbed. OPTSM donated $5. His first two zero week for TSM. Told you, bandwagon fans have no turn. Chill. I'm so ready for this hotline link. Will Asian 33 has subbed. Mellow Jello resubbed. Uh, Cerubix subbed. Real Fox D1 resubbed. Haven't tuned in for a few episodes, but I can't miss Kelby May episodes. Real Fox D1, yeah. big Kelby May fan. And we'll get to the rest very shortly. Ben Fisher 22 is joining the call. Ben Fisher, I feel like you've been on the show before. Is this is this true? No, it's it's not true. Oh, I've just seen you maybe in the chat before. Uh, you're very recognizable because I think you uh, have a Ron Paul picture on Discord. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, long-time watcher, first-time caller, you know? Okay. Where are nice. you calling from? Ben, how old are you? I'm 20. Fuck, why are you at 22 at the end? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I made it when I was, like, 12. I think it was the only... Okay. It was, like, the Google recommended when I put in Ben Fisher. I don't think Sorry, you're legally ahead. allowed to have an account at 12. Ben Fisher, where are you calling from? <laughs> uh, I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia right now. Okay. And what do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, so pretty much... I feel like the the whole idea of scouting in league seems like kind of BS right now. And it feels to me like it pretty much is just about uh, what team picks you up, how successful the, the player ends up. I'm pretty curious what um, Kelby's thoughts are on this. Wait, well, I mean, so you think that scouting doesn't exist and people are just attributing the success of... Are you saying people's scouting, scouting ability based on no, how no, the no. hair pans out, or, or are you I mean, saying like career seem, development specifically? Yeah, it doesn't seem to matter too much. Like which player, I feel like you could put any any rookie into TSM, and yeah. he's gonna do he's gonna do really well. He's gonna end up being successful, right? Whereas you can put any rookie on on Golden Guardians, and they're gonna be shit. You know, mm. you have that you have the Inoris and the and the Mike Youngs on Phoenix One with a little bit of pop off. Um, but but it feels like every rookie that gets picked up by um, by by these like top tier orgs, and maybe you could say that it's because of good scouting, but it seems like a little bit too good to me. It seems like it's mostly and and Mark was talking earlier about how you know players look better on better teams. It seems yeah. like if you're put in an environment to succeed, you'll succeed, and if you're yes. put in an environment to fail, you'll fail. And the the actual scouting itself doesn't seem to matter that much. So. I think that I think that you're kind of you're kind of right, except that you will if you are I in a better agree with the vocabulary. That's why I don't agree with right, right, right. I think that um maybe maybe what you're trying to say, and please correct me if you if you feel like I'm sure. leading down the wrong path. Um what what ultimately will happen is the the better environment that you are put into, which may be different for each person and personality type, by the way, depending on how you're being developed, what development style you react to, and how the other personalities on your team work with as far as teammates, you will achieve your best result quickest. And ultimately, that can affect the long-term impact of your career, depending on what you learn and at what point in your career you learn it. And if you build bad habits and you know you get burnout on shit and other stuff like that. And obviously, if you get put in a bad situation, I don't think necessarily you're doomed to be a bad player, but it's certainly going to put off 
um, you finding that situation where you become the player that you should be. Now, I think that some people have shown a really good aptitude for finding talent and being able to identify who will actually work in their system and what they value as a player, as opposed to what most people do, which is like, you know, to be frank, the only people that can really identify and pick up uh, professional League of Legends talent and put them in a situation where they're going to succeed are people who have a very strong understanding of not only the game, but male social dynamics. Um, well, because we have all male pro players right now, not to say that females couldn't exist in the pro, pro scene. Um, but like, I think that Reggie has been the best example of this up until this point where he has pretty much exclusively uh, picked winners and done so in situations where you could have had alternate higher profile choices that would have been what a lot of GMs probably would have taken as the easier, more secure move. And so, I think that it's, sorry, let me finish real quick. Okay. I think that without Reggie, there is zero chance that TSM ends up at every spring and summer finals. I think that whenever things go rocky, that guy has such a fundamental core understanding of the game and knowing how to win that he is always the person that comes and get involved with the roster and gets them put on the right track. And he is the single most important development component to any North American league of legends organization that has existed up to this point. I'm not going to say for Korea or Europe or whatever, but there's a lot of, but you don't think can I, can I, can I disagree yet? Or are you still going? No, 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 I said go for it. Somebody in Twitch okay. a second ago said, look at Kelby being self-gratifying again. And yeah, uh, can't, can't agree more. So I agree Reggie is like a huge factor in why TSM is good, but I think his roster decisions are some of the easiest fucking moves anyone has ever had to make because literally everyone is dying to play for your org due to its size. And you just get yeah. to pick the cream of the crop. They have never developed a single player. They have exclusively... Bjerg is a huge developer. He was already... Biofrost. He was already... Biofrost, I will maybe grant you, but hold on. Hauntzer was already crushing on uh, Gravity. They picked up Bjerg after he was already crushing in Europe. Like, I, I agree that they, was... they work... He was he was getting pentakills. He was already top three in he, Europe. Yeah, you know, yeah. He was, he was more, already top three more to in Europe. more development than just, like, are you winning... Or are you not, right? Well, right. So, like, Bjerg was a top three mid in Europe with Froggen and Xpeke in their prime. Like, he was a good player already. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they don't improve them, but they don't mm -hmm. pick guys out of a hat and make them work, like C9 has done to an extent. Um, so I, I disagree. The one player that they really took Do a, you think a, that Jack is the guy lead, at C9 lead. who is nope. picking these? Yeah, yeah. Nope. I never, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, but Glebe is one where they, they tried and it was a bomb. It just failed horribly. And then yeah, he's like, yeah, must yeah. boy. And, like, oh, they get, they get Turtle. Uh, well, that was after he already showed that he was a very competent player multiple times. And then they, they subbed him in after Chaos was being an idiot or whatever. So, like, I disagree that TSM scouting is good. I think that they, have the reputation and ability to get whoever they want once they stand out, which is what they tried to do again with Mike Young. Um, and I think okay. that's what they're think, really good at. I mean, do you think there's really any players that you couldn't put into like this year's TSM roster that wouldn't be successful? Like in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Would it, would it matter who they pick? 
Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I, I think because then you're left with like, well, who's making it good? Like, I I think you can say a great example would be like TL has done a good job of identifying players who are good, and then they sign them, but the environment is not super conducive, and then mm-hmm. when they move on, they start doing better. Uh, yeah. And so, like, that's a team where, like, Dom picked out a lot of those players. He was a guy who plays a lot of solo queue. He'd talk to the coaching staff, like, this guy stood out. He was doing good shit. I liked him. Um, And so, like, I think you can scout players and you can develop them. But I do think it is very contextual to not only how good the team is, but how good the, like, environment, like Kelby was saying. Right. And where, where do you think that environment stems from in the TSM organization? Like, who is dictating that down? Absolutely Reggie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I absolutely agree that like they have a great environment there. I just don't think that they have taken like a rookie and like shown that they scouted them. Sure. I I would would still make the argument that Bjerg is like when you create a a European and we have seen other top European players come over to North America, especially in mid, a lot of them. And nobody has turned out to be a shade of what Bjerg has done in the NALCS. Jensen Granted, a lot of them haven't had as much time. Jensen and Jensen, no, Jensen's good, but Jensen is not Bjergsen, I would argue. Yeah, he's uh, he's better right now. Oh, okay. Look yeah, at no, look no, at I, I, historically, absolutely. I'm, here I'm just, I'm just is Bjergsen's list of accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm going to say. And Bjergsen's Bjerg a lot more than like, real young game, when right? he picked him out. And yeah, he was he was a flashy talent. You know, somebody who looked really great not not gonna say like he was completely unknown obviously but he didn't take Froggen. he didn't take xpk he had the burden of responsibility on his shoulders to have all of these choices it is actually harder when you can pick from everybody no yes no yes you have you have a plethora of options out in front of you and you now have to decide like they're all like which is actually the superstar that you're going for when you only have so many people to choose from then the amount of mistakes that you can make is fewer. Yeah. How, good, how think hard is it to I think your your liquid example would prove Kelby correct, right? Because they they pick all of this great talent, but they could never make it work, right? Because they're not picking, they don't have the correct scouting talent, like Kelby's saying, which is personality. Wait, that was, that was the opposite well, I, of what I was saying. I, I was think saying Mark and I scouting, agree on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was yeah. saying TL scouting was good, their environments were bad. Right, right, right. Right, but that would imply that, that picking for talent um, or like that, that there's more to identifying than just yes. if you have all these players that you can pick from right. and just picking the best. Well, yes. sure. I'm not saying that you can throw synergy out the window, but if you go up to a buffet and it's like, hey, put a bunch of good food on my plate and you're at a fucking top tier buffet, your likelihood of getting it right is substantially higher than if you're at some fucking bargain dollar club and it's like, hey, try and make a good appetizing meal there. So like I I fundamentally disagree that if you, if you have to sort through the best talent in the world to come yes. up with a team, it's more difficult than building a good roster of all NA players. Right? No, you dog. will for sure. Yeah. You will have a you will have a stronger nice team, but to to pick the generational talent, which I would define Bjergsen as right now, um, especially for the West, it is. It is harder when you have everybody out in front of you and you have more secure bets, and he went for the riskier pick, and he panned out the way that he did. I, I think would the say. problem is, like, Ben, you you want to say it's all this or it's all all that, or it's, it's not this at all, 
But in reality, it's it's all these different factors together. Like a team like TSM has a lot of advantages because mm-hmm. they're in a certain position, but then they've gotten themselves to that position because of you know just inherent skill sets that are available to them and resources that are available available to them. Certain teams are better at scouting than others. I I think Cloud Nine is a really good example of a team where like they do great scouting. I mean, we were talking about this ahead of time ever uh, before the LCS even started. People were doubting Licorice, and I'm like, I just don't doubt Jack. Like, even if Jack, I don't know how he handles his scouting. Surely it's not him sitting there watching all these different right. solo streams or whatever. But that guy consistently pulls random people and then grabs them. And uh, and I I just I feel like yes, there are times where teams get lucky. There are times where scouting is good. There's times where certain environments allow you to succeed, and there's certain times where like. It's it's not. You could take the best player and put them on a shit team, and they're going to struggle. Uh, but you can also be a great team and scout someone, and um, and you're just good at scouting. That's why you tend to be a good team. I mean, I, I didn't mean to say it was all one or all the other one. I just I, I think that the scouting skill seems to be a little bit overrated. It seems like team environment and constructing a positive one seems to be drastically more important. I think you're yeah. I think you're right and you're wrong there in that. I actually don't feel like people talk about scouting talent too much. I mean, maybe I'm crazy and I'm missing stuff, but I don't feel like this is like a big conversation that hap- has has taken place in the LCS, partially because you've seen so much turnover in teams that like the amount of teams that can say we're good at scouting or we're bad at scouting are probably limited to just like a handful. Secondly, uh, I think oh, I forget the second thing. Well, so what I'd say to jump in is that there's multiple kinds of scouting, too. There's right. like talent development scouting which is like great we have three rookies in the entire league right now like whoop de doo you know you have onda licorice and arguably solo i think they're the only three so like how much talent scouting really matters uh yep. compared to i understand this person's personality in my interviews with them in my discussions in my due diligence i found that they would probably work well with these other people yada 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 which is where i think you can say 100 thieves scouting seem pretty good that these guys all get along well whereas like I don't know, FlyQuest or maybe uh, Optic, you could say the scouting maybe seemed worse, but who knows what their options were as well. Yeah. Either right. way, Ben, thank you so much for your call. Uh, this is actually a really interesting topic, and I don't mind you uh, being a little hyperbolic with the way that you said it, because I think it, it's something I haven't heard too many people talk about before. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I love the show, love the content. Keep it up. Thanks. And, yeah, thanks, uh, Ben. Sorry, Ron Paul's not an option for you anymore. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Have a good one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, the, the, the thing that's really different about scouting in any LCS in particular versus like traditional sports, for example, is like so many of our players we pull are from already, you know, professional leagues where we have so much tape and you know somewhat to what degree they will compete at the professional level, whereas traditional sports you're pulling from college or you're pulling even from high school sometimes. And it's like it's actually yeah. understanding how we think this person will acclimate to the professional atmosphere. Yeah. All right, uh, we're, we need to start coming up with uh, some sort of stand- butt templar. Standards What's wrong with for- butt templar? Standards for the names of the people that it's call the show. It's actually a league reference. Butt templar is yeah, cloud on the templar, show. but butt templar. What? <laughs> where, are you, where are you calling from? I am calling from Michigan. All right, you could ask him what his name is too, and we we wouldn't have to. Butt call templar. Him butt. What would you like to talk about on the show today? I, uh, so. I think all five or six dragons, I can't remember how many total, all the elemental drakes should be shown 
in champ select for LCS, and teams should be allowed to try to pick around that. Oh, oh, this is super interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. This is a Mark I, question. Okay, Mark, so you're I've seen, no, it, no, no. I've seen it on Reddit before. I think Ma Monty like, talked, or maybe ago. someone else talked about it too, and then there's a big discussion as a result. So, in the same okay. way that in some games you can pick a stage, you would be picking the the two teams would be settling on what dragon spawn. No, he's yeah, saying that you you see which one spawn right. and then you yeah. draft. I think oh, okay. I think the like easiest one, the easiest like plan you could do is if you see three infernal drakes are going to spawn, you could pick a really aggressive team and just go for dragon control. And if you get three drakes, you just kind of win automatically. Uh, so first off, there's four elemental dragons. Let's just uh clear up the is number. Is it four max? Uh, there's no, four the types, types of dragons. Oh, there's no, no I meant like, like oh. total that could spawn. Yeah, uh, I believe it's six, five, six. I was guessing. Whatever, five, there's six. some amount. Yeah. You, you know what they were ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how to think about this. So, well, the, it, sorry, go ahead. No, you guys go first because I'm the poop, poopy pants guy in this one, the Debbie Downer. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say the the one positive that I can immediately identify is that it helps eliminates some amount of RNG yeah. from the game um, and more information. I personally am not a huge fan of RNG elements in competitive sports, competitive esports, but obviously tons of games have them to varying degrees. Um, and I don't know enough about the game anymore to understand the dynamics of how knowing the Drake lineup would affect how heavily you're skewing your comps and picks and bans and stuff like that. And if it really forces people into playing certain stuff versus others, but I don't know. It's, it's somebody else talk. I need to think more. So about yeah, I would say, well, here, I'll say, cause Mark says that you're going to wind this. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll avoid whining and talk more hypothetically about it before I, I become sure. the okay. downer. but I would say it would likely not change the outcome except in, um, extreme circumstances. So if you're getting anything like any mix of the Drakes, you're probably not adjusting your game plan too much. If you see three infernal dragons, I feel like that's a time where you would maybe change your opinion on it. What if? What about or three just, of any kind, really? What about from a? Okay, so maybe you don't change the draft. What about from like a rune or itemization standpoint? Do you still get the same stuff? What? Okay. Maybe you don't pick a different champion lineup or you don't ban certain things out. But when you're making uh, rune selections or item selections in game, do you do a different build because you're going to get, I don't know. Again, like I'm an ignorant idiot when it comes to this stuff. I can't even say the word. Um, so I'm just curious. I would say the runes and item choices are too hard or, or too unimpactful relative to champion identities in the game. Like the League of Legends at its core, like is about the champions. And so you can you can build different things, uh, and you can pick different runes, but like it, you can't make a late game champion and early game champion through a really itemization or uh rune choices without like going way off the path and just ending up way below the power level of a say a early game champion built early game. So Yeah you also uh, don't know who's gonna get the dragon. 
Well, right. So, like, I guess the idea would be like, okay, uh, I see three Infernal Dragons in a row. Suddenly, Callista's priority goes up because she's strong early game. She plays on the bot side of the map, and she has good objective control. And maybe a new nude's priority gets up for the same reasons. Um, and I think you, you you would maybe see some situations like that. And I guess the point is, like, even if it only affects one in twenty games, that one game it could make it a lot more interesting. I'm gonna start talking about strategy because uh, Twitch chat is now bullying me. So, I'll, Travis, I'll they, they don't even know what they're talking I'm about either. What what do we what do we lose by having it visible? Like, what is how is this worse? The element of uh, in-game reaction, um, and one of the main mm-hmm. reasons. Uh, so, if you think back to when the Drake change happened, it was in a state where there were four dragon buffs. And those would go up at the same time every single time. Like the first Drake was like that you got was damage or something. And then the second Drake was move speed. Then the next Drake was this. Uh, And then they kind of broke them up into the four elemental dragons and made them random so that when people played the game, it didn't feel like that they were doing the same thing every single time. Right. Um, And so the change was more of a solo queue change to increase game diversity versus pro player balance. And Uh, Although I would argue you still have diversity, it's just scheduled diversity. Right. Yeah. So I, I think uh, I don't think it hurts the game that much, um, and it would be sometimes fun to see really, really crazy drafts around them. Yeah. And if if the game is going to spawn three Infernal Dragons in a row and just kind of like win the game for whoever got first blood anyways, I'd at least like teams to be aware of that too. <laughs> yeah. Is there a uh, chance that you like it is fun for viewers to suddenly find out what the next uh, dragon is going to be and for the casters to talk about it as we find out about it? Is that would you you lose that by having it just sort of like pop up during champion select? I think that's pretty, pretty minor. I don't think anyone's like, whoa, yeah, whoa, a third. No, I don't think that's the problem. But Templar, no, what do you think of this conversation? Do you have anything that you you think we're missing? Well, I just I only brought it up because I'm not an analyst either. So I just I've been thinking about it and it just it seems like something that would be interesting to do just to change the dynamic of I feel like dragons a lot of times can be a little unimportant and this could bring a little more focus onto that. So where I the reason I'm a Debbie Downer is because it's never going to happen because I believe based off my limited guessing how the game is coded is that this stuff is not decided in the lobby. The only game, so this kind of getting to programming uh, right. um, and the way that the game information works, the only thing that gets loaded into the game is what the client tells it it needs to do. So you would need to take Drake generation from a in-game computation thing in, in the engine uh, there, and you would need to put it into the client side calculations, which is probably a pretty fundamental change and not something that is impossible but it just seems pretty unlikely if you start looking at how the actual programmatic implementation would come in. A lot of work for very little gain. Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, the change was made pretty late into like, it's, it's, it's not super recent, but it's not like something that was implemented into the game originally. Right. And so like when, when the game launches, the client basically says, these are the champions that are going to end up in the game, load those required assets, load all the other assets that normally come in with game. And, uh, you would start saying like, all right, now you only need to load these dragons in the sponsor at this order. I don't know. It's not impossible for sure. It's just, I don't think it's how the game runs currently. You know, that makes a lot of sense. 
But Tumblr, thank you so much for the call in. And uh, yeah, no problem. Thank you guys. Great name. You know, I just that's the brand you're building for yourself, and I respect. Thank it. you very much. Thank you. How's that SOTL brand going, Travis? Yeah, well, I'm degrade and uh, degrading it. What I'm retiring it. I'm sunsetting it. Something like that. Healer, okay. healer, healer. Donating five dollars says you could probably get a boba for five dollars. Asmodai five ten subbed. Miles for days subbed. Neelix subbed. Jazing. Girl, girlish menace. Two months. Cruffy dump. Matcom subbed. Hey, I know that guy. Worked with him. Kelby used to work with him. We've got uh, Slant, who Best previously I had. said silent, but we realized it's actually Slant on the show right now. Slant, you're yeah, calling slant. back. Welcome back. Yeah, I had to come back. Yeah, and well, glad, right you, glad you decided to, to come back. <laughs> Thank you. For I read being it a as sub. silent too. That's hilarious. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for for being a sub. Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. That's right. Are you? Oh, that's East Coast college. Are you excited about the fact that? And I don't know that's, very much about Florida. Oh, yeah, that is exactly what my topic is about. Oh, okay, great. Well, yeah. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah. So I, I personally like the whole. Uh, I mean, sure, like it'd be quit school. That it's in Miami because that's only four hours from me, as opposed to, you know, California, which is you know a lot more than four hours. Um, but I also like it. I think it's interesting and a neat top and neat and neat like idea. That they're moving to this really small theater, you know, and making like the spring finals not as much about like just pure competitive gameplay, which according to the interview at youtube.com slash user slash state of the league, uh, oh, yeah, you, you can just do youtube.com slash Travis Gafford now, but thank you. Oh, sorry. But no, uh, no it both but, work. I, and listen, no one's done that before. I respect you. No, but, uh, but they, I, I watched an interview and, you know, he was talking about like how, uh, they want to you know go with like the culture of miami and i think that and i think that a lot of people don't like it because it's you know far away from you know california and it's not in the midwest where a bunch of people are and then that's in that small theater and that's bad but i think that that's like we'll, we'll make it cool it'll make it like more i don't know like i, I don't think homies the word but it'll make it more you know like about like the journey to get there and MSI and all kind of stuff. I don't know. So I you, the, you like this, even though like, you know, that are you, it's you 2. 5, people. Do you want to attend the event? Oh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm definitely probably going to go. Okay. Well, yeah. you say yeah. definitely probably, but there's only 2,700 tickets available. Right. So yeah. well, that's how the tickets are mostly. Cause I mean what, like, you know, what'd you yeah. say? It, it's more about price for me. Like, I, I mean like I will like wait, stay up until I don't care, you know, if, if it opens at like 6am or something like that, I'd be, well, okay, but the problem is, let's say it opens at 10 a.m. and you don't need to worry about it too much, but the tickets are sold out within a second, and you can't go. Are you still happy then that it's in this venue? I think I would still go, and you know, because like no, no, no. the fan, the fan the, meets. No, I mean like not like like go in the theater, but like go and like I think that just having like plus I think that watching it online, I think that they'll have content like the Drive series. You know, like where they they went to like all the people's like journeys into the LCS. They, I think they would. There's like a possibility they, they could do that, but for teams. You know, like look, look at this journey to Miami and look at like like and like you know like the spotlights of like them in Miami. You know, like looking through like like the cool landscape and stuff. Yes. Um, so you think it's cool because Miami is is cool and it'll be cool. I mean, because they it's you know they they travel every year for this stuff. So saying it's cool that they're traveling isn't isn't yeah. particularly like. A unique situation for them um but it's you know saying that it's saying that it's uh in you know a, a smaller venue i think is the bigger thing that everybody's talking about yeah i don't know i, I think that that's a big issue but i think that 
like the guy said that you know the the summer finals is the one where like everyone's like trying like they're not that the people aren't trying spring finals but summer finals like where it really like matters you know that's like the the that's like to make it to worlds and that's you know to like show that you like are the best team in the north america over the entire year and that spring finals is not necessarily not as competitive as spring finals but they can do they want to do more like I, don't know, I, th- I think that like in Chicago, I didn't go kind of from Florida, but I watched and then, like you could tell it was a lot smaller. Yeah. It just felt more like personal, you know, it felt like more like about like the players and like, like them. This you know, is like, what is interesting to me because I expected to get a call tonight about this. And if you told me that somebody was calling from Florida and would say, I like that it's in a smaller venue, I would have been surprised because I think everybody's concerned that uh, tickets won't be, you know, cert, almost certainly this thing is going to sell out. It'll sell out very quickly, and there will be a lot of frustrated Reddit posts being like, I have been playing League of Legends since before it ex- even existed, and my family has only ever had one dream since we moved to America in 1995, and that was to attend a League of Legends live event. And this is our last chance to do it because of some reason. I don't know. The, the thing is, is a lot of people are going to be disappointed about this. I don't think it's that big of a deal because spring finals historically has sucked from a venue perspective because the third and fourth place match sells like shit. And so you look at this event and it's like, you're looking around in this giant arena and it feels like, it feels like it is half empty or, or less And having empty arenas just looks so bad. feels really bad. So that's why I'm happy about this. I saw the Chicago, um, theater or I was at the Chicago theater I also thought that felt cool the problem is is that you know ultimately I get to go regardless so I'm not in the the situation of the fan that can't go uh, because I can uh, you know Travis Gafford my way in but other people can't do that so I I can I can understand why people would be frustrated but I think this makes a lot of sense for Riot especially especially in a year where I think they need to be thinking about creating like a sustainable system and by the way Renting out a giant arena and then selling it to, you know, selling only half the seats at a, at a price point that allows all your fans that want to go in the area to go is not a great way to make a, a lot of money. Can I share my thoughts? Yeah. I love the choice. Miami. I was there for ultra roughly the same time of year. Great at that time of year in my experience. It's a very cool city. I like it a lot. Um, great people. Uh, I love smaller venues for esports events, like theaters, like uh, of this size. I've been to a couple events in this kind of atmosphere. It's really great, especially for noise and crowd volume and stuff like that. And not only that, but Miami is the city where they got that that sign out front that says "Welcome to the city, where the heat is on all night on the beach to the break of dawn." So, I mean. Bang up job. Excellent selection. I'm just looking forward to the cocaine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, the thing I like is that it matches my aesthetic for all my content. So I'm already talking to Broden. People like You've the been behind. prepping it. Oh, dude, we should do a live one. Oh. Travis. Yeah, you should fly me to Miami. And let's do a live one. Yeah, yeah fly me to Miami. You'll just grab people off the street and ask them to give hot takes. I feel like there's going to be This is a conversation. This is a conversation you should have had with me, not live on air, Mark. (laughs) 
I'm going to do it with the pressure of the Twitch chat that is here now. We're doing it live. Well, we're going to get Bill O'Reilly. We're going to clip out that segment. <laughs> and we're going to do it live. We'll talk about it. Are you even a, are you even free before the like I'm free. I have no idea. Absolutely zero idea. Kelly, you don't want to travel. I'll go to Miami. Maybe we'll do a, a Kickstarter or something like that. The, I just I'm worried about the technical challenges. It is actually easier to just buy Kelby a plane ticket. Than I'll it help is to you. Come. I'll help you sell it to Omen. Okay. About why we need to take the show to the next level. Listen, Dude, it might not work well, but we're gonna try. Okay. I'm a great salesman. No, I didn't mean the, the pitch promise. <laughs> oh, okay, it's called okay. actually running a show. Hello, Omen. My name is Calvi May, um, and I would like you to fly me and my friends to Miami. Uh, it's great. Well, okay, whatever. I'll I'll think about it. Maybe maybe we'll set the Patreon goal or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'm just worried about the production uh, because if it goes wrong, that's no bueno. Don't be don't be a worry wart. All right. We'll we'll get a camera so at least we're shooting it and then we can put it up later. Yeah. And uh, we'll just you know. Yeah. Miami's dope, though. Kelby, what do you, think, you work Mark? for Twitch. Yeah. Shouldn't you have resources available to help make something like this happen? Oh. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it offline. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were about okay talking about I'm, it on the show. I, I need to talk to Riot about it, but I'm so serious. Like, we can do it after. Like, I don't care. I'll be done after. And we can talk about it. Right, let's not make any promises live serious. on air that we can't keep. I'm gonna make Live, a ton of promises. Hotline League in Miami <laughs> around the finals. What's we'll more Miami than being disingenuous? <laughs> right, you know. Wait, we still have a caller on the line. Slant, hello, yeah. you're still here. I, I didn't want to say anything to ruin your guys' <laughs> like, you know. Um all right, so we're just all in agreement. This is awesome. It should be fine that they did it in the theater for and it'll be really neat. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. All right. Well, there you go. That was easy. Thank you, Slant. Uh, that was the easiest conversation we've ever had. I just, <laughs> I just, Luke, by the way, who used to live with me, works with me at Yahoo. I just got a Facebook Messenger notification that just popped up from that says, I can tech produce a live in Miami hotline lead. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Thanks, Slant, for ruining no me. I'll have a good one. <laughs> but you see, I said, I'll have a good one. Um, Did chat get my, my Will Smith reference? I, I'm sure they did. I don't know. All right. Mechalora donated. Uh, thank you, Mechalora. Leviathan 111, Gloaters, Frozen Fire 52. Uh, Mechalora also resubbed Silverbite and Shoe the Mighty. Thank you to those wonderful people. Stop. Um, Mark, before we get into this, just so you know, Luke just committed. He messaged me on Facebook and said he'll tech produce the Hotline League live from. Miami. Dude, it's happening. So now we gotta fly Luke and Kelby there. You can't fight the tide, Travis. Continuing with our very mature uh, caller names tonight, we've got Bard's Threshlight on. Bard's Threshlight, what would you like to talk about and where are you calling from? Okay, so I'm calling from Georgia. And, like, I think Miami is great for the aesthetic and everything, but for everyone who's in the Southeast, like, NA World Finals, the closest city to me in Georgia was Chicago. And like Texas was also Chicago, which is like a 16 hour drive. And then so we're like, okay, maybe they'll give us something next year. And then they had the finals in Vancouver and Boston. 
and then they finally do one, and it's Miami, which is the tip of the panhandle. Wait, so, in sorry, you're in Texas. No, I'm no, in Georgia. No, he said Georgia. Oh, you're in Georgia. Okay. The closest is still Chicago. Okay. But, like, now it's in the panhandle of Florida, or not the panhandle, like the tip of Florida, which is about a 10-hour drive for me, and yeah. I'm in the next state over. So, like, people from Texas, Georgia, like, all the southeast – we're kind of like being screwed over by riot. And we have Texas A&M, who's a huge like collegiate Georgia tech who's a huge collegiate, like all these places. We're just getting skipped over. So you said you're like 10 hours from Miami. Yeah. Okay. How, how many, I'm curious how long it takes to get from Tallahassee to Miami. Cause I've heard that that's actually even further than San Francisco to LA. You probably don't know, but um, so I got a buddy who goes to UF in Gainesville, and we looked it up because we were thinking about it. It's yeah. mm-hmm. and Gainesville's a little farther south. It's an eight-hour drive. Okay, so that's kind of my point: is you're disappointed because there's this event happening. Also, wasn't Tala- isn't how far away is Tallahassee from you? Um, if I can go 120 down the interstate, no, don't go 120. <laughs> go the legal, uh, speed, go limit, the legal speed limit. Use okay. Google Maps. Like, what does Google Maps say? Um, you don't on, need to look it see. up, but I'm just saying, like, you have a friend it, that lives it, in Gainesville. How long does it take to get to him? To get to him? It yeah. was about an eight-hour uh, eight drive. Okay. So I'm just saying, like, you you had MSI pretty close to you, right? It, but even then, that was only one NA team. Like, every NA final has been pretty much above the Mason-Dixon line. They've never had anything south. Wow, we're bringing the Mason-Dixon line into this. Um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good reference point. I, I mean... Sure. I, I mean, I, you, not no me. matter where they pick, a, a lot of people are going to get skipped over. Yeah, not, have the they done it's any like, redundant locations? Uh, Madison Square Gardens. Yeah, they did oh, that versus for Boston for and Worlds and, and they've done for, Los Angeles yeah. a couple of times. But I mean, you got huge markets in like Texas, and you could do maybe DC one. So what I've heard, that. what I've heard is a rumor, and, and this is just a rumor, is that Texas has a lot of tax complications involved with doing events there. That being said, obviously there have been other esports events that have taken place there, so I don't know what the co- specific complications are for Riot, but I've heard again that there are are one reason why Texas is not an option is because or they haven't done anything there is for tax complications. It's just a rumor. Take it as a rumor, please. I don't want this to be on Reddit. As Travis Gafford says, LCS is never coming to Texas because of Trump. So what? I don't know, but that's the rumor that I've heard. Oh, I'm tweeting that. Um, <laughs> and as for stadium size, I think they could go definitely bigger because they haven't done anything down here in a while. Yeah, I think they can go bigger. The problem is, is are they going to sell out the third, fourth place match? Because they did something in Vancouver and they hadn't done anything there before. And they had never done anything in Vegas. And like those those things just don't sell out. I, I per- personally believe that the reason why they're pulling back on spring finals is because it doesn't sell well especially for the third, fourth place match. And that this year with franchising and all that stuff, you actually have a reason to be more financially sustainable and reasonable. That's are my guess, t- which is not the, the answer that any, any fan wants to hear, but that's that's my my sense. Are they combo tickets? Like if you buy... No, they, you sell them individually. Yeah, okay, that makes sense then. So maybe maybe you could argue like, yeah, you, sh- you get... You buy a two day. We only sell two day passes, and then they're 120 bucks a pop or something, <laughs> where they'd normally be 60. And then you ensure that like the first day sells out. But then again, you're minimizing how many people can go to the event because 
now you took potential 40,000 seats and turned it into 20,000, that kind of thing. Right. So, and you, you ensure the first day sells out, but you don't ensure first day attendance. Yes. Yes. I'm not, I'm not saying you do like make it today, but you do like maybe a discount for it. Like for the so Sunday for the final is like 80 bucks. And then, yeah. but for a two day, instead of being 160, it's only like the problem is then you risk losing money again. Cause maybe there were people that are going to uh, buy tickets to both days at full price. And now you're discounting them. You'd have to really figure out like, okay, we are going to you do the math and you figure out how it works out that way or something. I don't know. And maybe there are extra ticket complications. Also, all these venues have different ways they need to do it. And certain venues are limited to certain tickets. It's like such a complex situation that I, I can imagine it being it, it being a, a pain. I, I'm just saying, with it, Miami, they better have some really good aesthetic stuff because everyone else is just going to be upset from down here. Yeah, I think I it will be. You guys having me on? I can understand why people are are disappointed, and I I feel you. Like this was why I rallied for Canada for so long because I was like, we're the NALCS. We've never done an event in Canada. You're just screwing over a ton of different people. I think, yes, like Riot should be thinking about this stuff a lot. I think the other thing to remember is we don't know what the player map looks like, and they tend to target areas where there's a lot of players. And just because you might feel like there's a lot of players in your area, you don't know actually how many people, you know, maybe you're just players. in the big group. You have your best friend, Prawley. What's that? <laughs> Prawley's from uh, Marietta. Yep. He doesn't even live there anymore, though, you know? Yeah, that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> I think none of this is a point. Either way, Bart Specialty, thanks for coming on and also also thanks for right. offering a counterpoint, I think, which is yeah. this kind thanks, of dude. situation. Yeah. No problem. Have a great evening. Yeah. You as well. Do you need time, Travis? Uh just a couple seconds. All right. Uh, you slow. can talk to are you yeah. Um not Kelby donated five dollars and said Kelby is absolutely the best part of the show. He should one hundred percent get paid and a lot more than Mark. I'm just amazed someone could possibly bring so much to anything as Kelby does. I wish I was Kelby, but once again, sadly, I am not. Wow, it's very suspicious. Thanks, Brittany. Uh, the player one has subbed. Uh, David the medic subbed. P. Juij. Has subbed ladder slider subbed and mark two five eight six. Thank you, uh, everyone, for the support. A lot of support today on the show, which is, is very nice to hear. Rico Suave is back. Hello, Rico Suave. Where are you calling from? Rico Suave. Rico. I was I was just talking to Suave. him. Rico Suave, I swear. come on, come on. We need you. okay. Well, I'm casting him back. You're going to have to... Hopefully, he'll, he'll get his foot self fixed. Uh, you can bring the next person. I was excited for that, too. Rico Suave has been on the show before. And I'm sure had a good thing to talk about. Um, I don't know how much you guys can hear the borking in the background. Do you hear that, Kelly? It's not. It's not super loud. Okay. I was literally just talking to him. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Uh, it's okay, because we got the hippie Steve subbing in for Rico Suave. Uh, on the show. Hippie Steve, you've been on the show before, I believe. Uh, I think I subbed earlier, like during a different show, but this is yeah, my first time calling. Well, you know what? I remember you from that sub, as I remember all subs, and thank you for being a sub. Hippie Steve, what, uh, where are you calling from? Uh, Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio. All right. And are you also upset that there's not an LCS finals in your location? Uh, no, uh, when it was last in NA, I went to Chicago and then the final in LA. Okay, cool. All right. So, well, what would you like to talk about on the show today? Uh, I think my topic was regarding gold and high specifically. Gold um, and high. Okay. It was that high uh, would be the fastest player to turn over 
to like get like an upswing in wins and uh, results during this split uh, based upon how high plays and like uh, relative to other mid laners in LCS right now. Sorry, he's. Can you explain what you mean? He'd be the fast like because he's not sort of like a baseball like wins over replacement sort of thing, uh, and like uh, just sort of his um, play style because he plays more toward like side lanes. Like if you have two consistently losing side lanes, like Golden Guardians does, uh, High does not do as well because he gives up a lot of resources to try and start snowballing them. And if they're not good to begin with, then they can't really take advantage of this sort of thing. Um, like High is, I, I looked up the stats, he's almost a level down at 15 minutes every time and and things like that and he is mechanically worse and like sort of puts his jungler on a back foot because if your mid laner isn't so it sounds like you're in. saying high sucks well i think he's saying I, he's not a good fit do you think he sucks yes i don't think he sucks i think he's a terrible fit for the team okay i'm gonna let mark respond I, to this while i handle this animal well i okay. think the other thing you're saying is that they should I, when i if i remember unless i pulled two people who were talking about high you were also saying that they should replace him then, not just that, like... Yeah, I think... Because uh, someone could take your point and be thinking that you're saying, oh, High is wasted here, get him on a real team, but you're saying that High just shouldn't be on there at all from Golden Guardian's perspective, and they should get someone better? Yeah. High isn't good for, like, their theory and building NA from, like, the ground up sort of thing. Like, High has been on teams before with younger players, and no one has ever talked about High teaching any of those players like how to be a leader how to be a, a shot color like every time high like was sort of this sort of like golden child held in high regard um like he left and then the team sort of fell apart communication wise had no leadership and things like that like he never was able to create a replacement for himself so mm. if golden guardians is trying to start something sort of like in their warriors shadow like He's sort of like a stopgap. He's like um, he's like a team that's almost there. So they just get a guy that can can like hold and like push other leads further. I don't think that's than... why they got him. They got him because they thought we're going to take a lot of players who have underperformed and in some cases are rookies, and we're going to bring in like mm -hmm. a proven leader and somebody who can like help level up a team, uh, so that you know like a year or two from now, Golden Guardians, you know Matt, definitely those guys. Uh, or in some cases, maybe they replace them. They they've now sort of disseminated High's leadership and veteran experience across to the other players. Yeah, but Hippie Steve has some. I feel like some pretty good points here about how like High played with that Cloud Nine roster for a really long time before he departed. And when he departed, all that we saw was like none of this was like picked up by the other guys through Trial of Osmosis. Uh, it was just, and I don't know, maybe it's the personalities or not, but he doesn't have a history of. I see what you're saying is that it does. There's no evidence that he's he's helping level up the team. It's like right. he's there or he's not, and the team performs well when he's there. But if he leaves, yeah. there's not good. Yeah. So getting him is like not necessarily yeah. good because it's not like he's going to bring raise the level of performance on the team in the long term. Right, yeah. and he doesn't. It, teach other players to like be better what if the last team the previous teams didn't expect him to do that 
or that was not the strategy they employed. And right. so Golden Guardians, knowing that this is something that they can do, uh, are able to sort of direct the, it this way, where they come in and they say, hi, we're hiring you because you're this person. This is the role we see here. This is how we expect you to handle stuff. We want you to help. Because I, I don't... I would imagine High probably sees his glory days as beyond him. He's not trying to be on TSM or Cloud9 and win worlds. High is like not that's not what he's about anymore. He's maybe he likes the idea of like raising another group of talent or something. So just because the point being, just because he didn't do this in the past, doesn't mean he's not capable of it. And maybe this is something that they talked about before they brought him onto the team. I think it's interesting. Uh, I think the whether or not he can teach this team or not, uh, who knows? Uh, it's also does that is that what High wants to do? And then yeah. is that also better than trying to develop a North American mid laner? Are you getting more value of High supposedly teaching these guys than you would get over just getting a young mid laner who will also improve with the whole team? Uh, also, I don't know who you would get necessarily because yeah. it's uh, it's not like there's a Golden. wealth I mean, of NA talent. It doesn't have to be another that. NA talent though either. Like it could have been it could have been selfie. Like there was selfie rumors of making an LCS team this morning. What about that Jazuki guy? Someone's got to be in NA scouting, or someone has to be for NA but scouting Europe because that Jazuki guy is a beast. <laughs> I would want that guy. But no, no one in North America scouts new European players. They just go for the TSM strat, wait till they look good and buy them. Yeah, I mean, as Kelby often has said, EULCS is the development league for NALCS. So if that's the thing, then the whole point of them being in the EULCS is that you're proving them so that you can pull them over to NALCS. Yeah, and we really appreciate EULCS for what they've done for our region. It's great farm system. Okay, so guys. let's bring in this topic here. Hippie Steve asserts High might not be the right player for the strategy because he might not be able to help lead the team to long-term success by disseminating information, that kind of thing. Right, Hippie Steve? Well, and well, and yeah, I would say that's that's kind of what I'm getting at is that High isn't good for long-term growth as opposed to like a rookie or somebody much much younger. Yeah. And his current play style doesn't fit the team because he needs strong lanes teams. to win. Yeah, and his lanes are not winning. So it'd be better to have somebody maybe like, I don't know, Froggen or some shit sitting there and can maybe carry the game for you off of his individual performance. Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting perspective. I definitely, uh, I think it's a question where it's like, well, what, I guess the only the org would know if he's providing enough growth to justify right. it. Because if not, then like, what do you, what are you doing with him? Yeah. What do you do if he's not? You just grab like Froggen or somebody else, or or Mark. I mean, you were suggesting maybe they just should just find like a. The problem is, you you were suggesting maybe they find another rookie or new mid laner. I almost feel like at that point in time you've got, especially with the Loco's departure, you've got like new head coach, all these players that need like to level up. I feel like you need some sort of fountain of knowledge in there to like help these guys get better. Yeah, there needs to be like the person for a fan to latch on to, and if you get rid of high, the only person. I don't. I'm not. Sort of. Yeah. I, I'm no. not worried about it from a fan perspective. I think it's more just like internally, you need somebody who's going to help lift everything up, be. right? What was that? What was that, Kelby? I said, but you should be. Yeah. 
But I would say uh, also the two things I say is they should have a leader who's growing these guys, and I guess you could argue that should be Lokodoko based off his like arguable success with GCU. Uh, but then he's no longer there, and then I think who is the going to be the person for fans to latch onto? It's like, well, who are they latching onto right now? Because it's not really anybody. So this is why you get cop. Hashtag guild cop. Golden hey. Guardians, golden cop. Hashtag guild cop. And these are some bad hashtags, but I appreciate Hippie Steve's conversation starter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's just wrap it up. Mark, do you think that, they, that high was the wrong decision here? Uh, potentially, and that they should grab somebody else, and and maybe Golden Guardians' philosophy here is flawed. Like I said, the only way, the only people who would know would be the org. If High is not actually contributing to the growth of these players, you're already a 10th place team. Why not take a chance and learn about give someone else the experience to play in the LCS? I don't know what they're getting out of him if it's not growth. And like you said, play style, it's not like he's winning them games either. Kelby. Have High coach get a new mid. I agree with what Mark said. Have high coach get a new mid. Yeah. yeah interesting. What do you think of that, Hippie Steve? Uh, I don't know if high is a person to do that, but I that's more along the lines of something that I would like to see with them. Interesting. All right. Well, thank you so much, Hippie Steve, for calling in. Thanks for being a sub. And uh, looking forward to talking to you in future episodes. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Right. That was actually a good conversation starter. It was. We've had really, we've had really go. good. Like people keep blowing my minds on, on the show. All of them. All yeah. my minds. It's because we haven't had any TSM fans on. Yeah, it's weird. Every show. Oh, Mark left. I'll just say this: every show has such different vibes. Like sometimes you get callers that come in and they can't articulate their argument, and it's a really weird argument that's hard to understand. Other times people yeah. come in and I'm like. That's something that no one in the industry is talking about, but maybe they should be, you know? And sometimes you got, like, chill stuff. Maybe you got aggressive stuff. Sometimes chat is calling for blood. That happened last week. Uh, all right. Yeah. It, Man, it got, I should have watched last week's episode. It got intense. Haitian305 resubbed. He says, if you do a live one in Miami, I will be there. Plus, I get to talk to Marks again. P.S. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Turtle OSP has subbed. And not not Kelby donated five dollars. I said I agree with not Kelby. <laughs> Kelby should be paid way more than Mark. Also, Monty is the best. Damn. So, this is a man of good taste. Well, no, no. This is this is a different man or woman because it was yeah, not yeah. Kelby. This is a this is a person of good taste. Not Kelby. There's not Kelby. No, this is not not Kelby who is agreeing right. with not Kelby. So oh, the, the first person had good taste. This person also. Rocket surgeons on the show. Rocket surgeon, where are you calling from? I'm calling from North Carolina. North Carolina. Nice. Petey Pablo fan? <laughs> no idea. What <laughs> Rocket surgeon, right. what what do you want? What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about how academy teams, uh, how the academy league favors winning teams. The Academy League it, favors uh, like like the Academy the teams that the tournament they're playing in it, favors winning teams. Yes, I Rocket feel, Surgeon. I'm happy to let you know that you are the first person we have found that cares about Academy League. So I'm happy to talk to one of you. All right. Well, I just I feel like in a world where the teams that are struggling have their 
um, academy teams and when and undoubtedly it will happen people start getting subbed in for their academy counterpart it creates a stress where the starter is supposed to be mentoring this person and like teaching them all, teaching them all their secrets and this kind of stuff and how to be a better player but you don't want to be telling everybody your secret sauce when you're competing against them for a job where like the TSM Academy team has like I don't know uh I don't even know who's on don't they have like Brandini and Greg and like Shady and those stuff like I don't ever see a world where I have no idea who's um, on any Academy team yeah those three plus Mr. Rollins and a Blaze Olive who is the number one scouting ground draft pick oh. All future TSM players will be coming from Europe, so we don't really need to pay attention to their academy team. Exactly. So, like, I don't realistically see a world where they're going to swap out Brandini for Hanser. Right. But, like, for some of the struggling teams, like Golden Guardians and, and so on, like, I do see a world where if Matt starts struggling, he gets swapped out for X-Special or Jenkins in the top lane if Lorlo starts to struggle. And it just it creates a stress that top teams don't necessarily have to deal with. It's uh, a weird discussion because what I would say is Academy's better for losing teams because when you suck and your players might need to get swapped out, at least you have some uh, knowledge because you have an Academy team of who you're getting. Whereas like previously, when it was the best of three system, people just got new players to be subs and then they would just swap them in and out in games until they find one that's better. Um, also, that's very common for all sports in the world that are team games is like there's a depth chart and there's people behind you who are hungry to take your job and you're supposed to be better than them. That's why you have the starting job. Um, well, of course, but it's also like in football, it's also a far larger roster as opposed to just the, the top, um, like the starting top yeah, laner, the starting jungler, and then there's a one sub. Yeah, of course. But like in basketball, let's say there's five players on the court and there's 15 people and like you only get subbed out because you get tired. But some sometimes there are position battles and they're swapping between people like competition is healthy in almost every industry. Uh, generally speaking, competition is good. Um, and I understand that it sucks to have that stress and it would be better if you didn't have that stress. But the reason the good players don't have that stress is because they're good. That's true. Um, <clears throat> I uh, don't know uh, where else to go with this conversation. No, no, it's, it's fair. Let's here. I'll t I'll handle it. Don't worry. This is where I come in to save the day. Mark, do you think uh, while we're on the topic of academy and specifically about the the variables between bottom tier academy teams and top tier academy teams? Uh, would you rather be on Golden Guardians Academy or would you rather be on TSM Academy? I don't think there's as much of a difference as people think. Because if Golden Guardians wants a sub, who says they even have to go from their own academy team? If I want someone for Matt, I'm picking up Zazel. I'm calling Cloud9. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like I don't. I think the way, like, I don't think Academy is like this league where you're necessarily just developing your own inbred talent and like you are teaching them their stuff. Like, from my understanding, the most integration between the two teams is like around Cloud 9s level, which is like they scrim them one day a week for that whole day, and then they also warm them up. Um, but like generally speaking, the point of Academy is not to like siphon off from the main team, but to right. have two separate teams. And Academy gives players who are only known for their solo queue, a place to play in a competitive setting. 
And the reason that's better than Challenger is because Challenger was all about getting into LCS. Now that doesn't matter. So just pick the brightest, roughest diamond that you see and hope you can just polish them up to be like a, a legitimate player. And you don't, it does help that you, you do get knowledge from the main team, um, but they do exist in relatively separate ecosystems. Yeah. Like the, the starting roster is not taking their time to help development these Academy kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Very they, they might do some for scrims for like, you know, where they, they do help them, but they also have the roster where it's like, now we can hide our picks and we can try really weird shit versus Academy that we might break right. out. Like Jack's jungle was something that only cloud nine has played in North America and then their Academy team played it too. So you reckon that was a pick that those two kind of came up with together. Um, and so there's value there for both teams. For Rocket Surgeon, thanks for calling in. Uh, I think, no you know, again, Glad to be here. as Kelby said, we haven't talked too much about Academy teams. In the future, I think it probably is worth a discussion because it's sort of like, what is the value of all this? these Academy teams? You know, you they, they all fight for a thing that doesn't really matter in the end. Like, are you training people for your team or are you going to pick up other people? So I, I actually really appreciate the conversation. Thank What's, you so much. What do they win? Nothing. There's a playoff with a tournament, and I'm not sure if there's a prize pool. There's not. Oh, Thank no. you, so Rocket. they're literally playing for nothing? Yeah. They're playing this for their jobs. Rocket, thank you. Thanks, no man. No problem. See you guys later. See you. Kelby, I mean, you that's what D-Leagues are in uh, other sports. Like, what are they playing for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I feel you. But but there isn't that same path that exists right now, I feel like, to LCS that exists in other sports with the amateur leagues. By the way, Rico Suave says that they fixed their uh, their issue. So they can, right. they can come in. I'm going to throw them directly in here. We'll see what happens. All right. Rico Suave, you've returned. Hey, yeah, sorry. I had some app problems. It's okay. Uh, welcome back to the show. I remember... You from the past? Uh, can you remind me where you're you're living these days? Where you're from? New York City. New York City. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Because we, I think we talked to you about like CLG and MSG and all that stuff, right? Yep. Yep. And you are a Twitch sub. Thank you very much for that. What do you want to talk about on this week's episode? Um, since we're talking about teams and stuff, I thought we could talk about um, how much blame would you give a coach for their team failing? So. I thought you said like, blame. Uh, blame. Yeah. How much blame would you hook up a failing coach with? <laughs> so, Sorry, go ahead. The reason I want to talk about it is because I'm seeing esports as a sports perspective. So as a coach, you try to train and mold your players and try to, I guess, prepare them for any kind of situation from being like like two, 3,000 goals behind to, okay, this is a person you're facing – they're most likely to do this, that, and third, and this is how you counteract with them. And, you know, kind of using Golden Guardians as an example, they went 0-6, and, and at some point you start asking, okay, is it really the players themselves or is it the coach? Is the coach not preparing them enough? You know, like how much blame do you think you would give the coach for a failing team? Can I answer? Yeah. So I think it depends. Uh, you can have certain situations where, and like probably only the people who are closest to the team and the team atmosphere are able to make a good judgment call. And that's where you need a good GM is somebody who can look at this situation as independently and unbiased as possible and say, are we struggling here because 
the team is not performing well or the coach is not supporting the team in the way that they need to in order for the team to like perform well. Sometimes, regardless of how good the coach is, and Travis, I'll bring up my favorite example to you. Well, uh, yeah, you ready? Sometimes, for instance, Monte Cristo, when he was coaching fake coach, CLG, fake news was not only a coach for the cameras. <laughs> fake, fake. fake. Every, everyone knows behind the scenes that. When Monty was out in person with us when we had this this boot camp and he came to LCS for a week, he had a tremendous impact with the team. When he was a remote coach, it was very difficult to get players to listen on Skype and, you know, all this different stuff. Completely ineffective, but it wasn't Monty's fault. It was a product of the situation for him being remote versus being in person. And in person, he had much more success. Um, so it really depends. Uh Obviously, doesn't matter how good, like, could Coma come into the Golden Guardians and make them a top team in the NALCS? I think it would probably be extremely difficult and unlikely. And, you know, uh, could the reverse situation happen? Essentially, where, like, you know, Loco was the coach of, you know, SKT two years ago, and is that team still won a championship? I mean... They probably still have some pretty good success, regardless of whether or not Coma is coaching them versus, uh, you know, local coaching them. But it's very, very difficult to know exactly who is impacting and to what degree they are impacting. Uh, they should be unless you're involved in that situation. Exactly, and that's why when CLG went to Korea for their boot camp and came back, and yeah, got yeah, 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 hey, buddy. But but I would argue as well that that was a product of not just uh, well, like Sarah Mont walked out on scrims and shit, right? Like he got yeah, really heated about there, some stuff. Yeah, there was there was there was personality issues and other issues even outside of coaches and players that negatively impacted that boot camp, but. Yeah, 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 sorry. I just, I just have to get that little. Rhythm. No, no, it's, it's true. It's true for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think you, you look at a coach and you look at the team's expectations on paper and how good they should be. And if they vastly underperform or vastly right. overperform, that's probably when you start looking at, at the coach as yeah. well as just general improvement. Like I think the, the greatest hallmark of like coaching is like, is this team improving generally yeah. speaking? Um, and sometimes it's beyond their control, like the meta shifts and you take a step back or like, some new super team gets together and now you're not like the top team anymore. Like that stuff happens, but, uh, it's pretty common to like, like optic. How good are they really? I don't know. I would not have called my mic just, uh, hello. Yeah. yeah. It just cut out for a sec. I don't Sorry. know why I did that. Uh, but yeah, like optic is not a team that people put in the, the playoffs, but if this team comes together and makes the playoffs and looks decent there. I think people could say like, Hey, Zavitin, this guy that we don't know much about seems to be a better coach than I think people would have given him credit for. All right. So mm -hmm. what something happened, we said Monte Cristo's name three times in a row, which is how you summon Monte Cristo to appear. He's now in the Twitch chat. Wait, he says, yes. Yay! He says in Get response to the Seraph thing, wildly overblown Seraph walked okay. out of after a scrim for 10 minutes to cool his head. And he also said he wasn't completely ineffective remotely. He was mostly ineffective remotely. So there you, there you go. He's just correcting you. Kelby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Monty appreciates the sentiment of what I was trying to get. I mean, without, unless Monty wants to get in the call, I would ask. We, we're wrapping up. I, we'll have Monty yeah. on in the future if, if he wants to come on. But I think if we get him on for three minutes and wrap up the show, the Twitch chat is going to murder me. So I'd rather get him on in the future. Okay. Um, but... 
I do have a question. I don't know if enough time has passed, Kelby, for you to be able to talk to the contractual relationship you guys had with Monty. But I'm very curious. I don't think we had a contract. I think I just did. Oh, man, shit. I should remember this. I think. No, we paid money. I just we just sent him money. Because my question, <laughs> we just sent him money. <laughs> we just so sent him money. just opened his door and then there was a cash, a stack of cash with a CLG bag. Uh, We're, over this it. is this is 2011 2012 League of yeah. Legends. And okay. I, I don't want to get anybody in any tax trouble here. Okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, he says we have to misrepresent his coaching with three minutes left. It's true. Um, if my question was when I praised Monty's coaching, I know he's flaming me, but he is a Patreon, so uh, Patreon supporter. So thank you, Monty, very much for your Patreon support. But Going back, I, was, enough, enough about, I wanted to ask him about since we both have coached problematic AD carries. I wanted to. Peter is a wonderful, darling child. How dare you ever slander him and say that he would be problematic, sir? My bad. You're right. <laughs> the The question is contractually, when yeah, yeah. Monty reverted from being a real coach to a coach to the cameras, did you guys bring his number down, or how did how how did that work out? In the well, contract? you had to pay his day rate, so I imagine it went up, right? Because yeah. it was oh. no longer for actual coaching; that was for the cameras. Yeah, it was a production. It was a production yeah. rate. Is that that was higher? <laughs> so actually, it was more. It cost more to have him be the coach for the cameras than. <laughs> that's than what I, that's what I would assume. Okay. Are you having a laugh? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no. Do you uh, do you have something you want to talk to Monty about, uh, Mark? No, no, I was. What about was, Rico? Poor Rico's just sitting here. <laughs> hey, Rico, can I, can I share a fun fact with you? Chain smokers also from New York. Oh god! <laughs> uh, you had the same. I wanted to now. talk to Monty because we were talking about the effectiveness of coaches and how much like blame you put on them for things that go wrong. I wanted to ask him about given that he was also in a difficult team environment from what people have said. And obviously he wasn't, re he was remote for the majority of the time. So maybe less of the onus is on him, but like when things go wrong in a team, how much of that is like structural and coaching? Because I feel like on the outside, a lot of people like to say, Oh, well this team blew up. The coaches should have had a better handle on it. And sometimes it's like, well, I mean that, that player is just how that player is. Yeah. And so like, as someone who has that firsthand experience, I want to, chat with him about it but, well maybe yeah. we'll grab him on in the future because it does feel like that's a long a long conversation but i want to thank monty for being a patron also want to thank monty or rather point out is monty, he a sub he's i don't know if he's a sub yet but hopefully someone, someone will give, give that man a sub yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he if there's one thing monty wants it's even more money going to me in his name uh but monty and i have a lot in common you know we are both incredibly popular esports figures on incredible groundbreaking esports production sponsored by Omen. So I think, you know, that's that's the situation. Hotline League and Overwatch League is that's such a Overwatch League starts on time though. That's that's true. That's true. Well actually I don't know if it does because it was supposed to start in twenty seventeen. Anyway, Rico, you have anything that Rico, you have anything you want to say uh here at the end on the topic? Um I guess throw my opinion I think uh, the coach should at least get should be responsible for at least sixty percent of a team's performance. That's it. Yeah, that's that's good. Thanks for wrapping up the show, uh, Rico, and uh, thanks for being a sub. Always great to have you on. Looking forward to talking to you in the future. All right, and now we are uh, we're out. So let's wrap the show. Mark, anything that you want to say? Uh, and Boba Cola has gifted a sub to Monte Cristo. Congratulations, hey, Monte Cristo. Demo. 
Yeah, they're all great emotes. You can Love use them. a Kelby they are good emote. emotes. There's a there's a you now have a Kelby emote. So you can while you're while you're casting Overwatch League, you can spam Kelby into the chat. Good big plays come out. Uh, uh yeah. Anyway, sorry, Mark. Back to you. I don't have too much to say. This week sucks. I have to go through a bunch of emails to hire a new another editor for offline TV. So I've just been going through people's reels. And I need to do interviews, and we're probably going to shoot this week. Have hey, you found any really good ones? To find a junior. I found two that I like out of about 30 I've gone through. About 15 feel like the same person, or like two groups of people. And then like about probably five to ten are just outright like, why'd you even email me? Speaking, by the way, of the same people. Somebody named Definitely Not Kelby donated $5 and said, I agree with Not Kelby and Not Not Kelby that Kelby definitely needs to be paid as much, if not more so than Mark, and would like this donation to specifically go directly to Kelby. <laughs> what? Uh, oh, man. There's the Kelby left. I got to say this. Uh, the people who watch this show in general seem to have very good taste. <laughs> I mean, they're watching the show. They can't have that good a taste. Yeah. I mean, it's Monday night at 10 p.m. on the PST. Like these half these people are probably asleep. There's probably like 10 people in chat, actually. Scrapjack has subbed. Boba Cola, of course, gifted the sub to Monte Cristo, and RX Dealer 89 has subbed. Um, we're gonna get to Kelby in just a minute, really quickly as people start to drop out. I'm gonna hang out for a couple minutes extra on the show. So uh, if you want to hang out and chat with me for just a few moments afterwards, and then I'll probably host. Avali, who I think is probably going to start streaming in a moment. Kelly, what do you got for us? I just wanted to give a shout out to Fenron Jenkins, who is oh my God, the premiere. No, all the other Normally times I talk he about the chain smokers. Yeah. Didn't yeah, you do yeah. Fenron last week or two weeks ago? I think Travis hosted I did. him. I did. No, but Kelby did it first, and then you did it again last week. I feel like it's been three weeks of this guy. Am I wrong? I might be crazy. No, just well. Uh, no, just regardless. I hosted Fenron last week. I hosted Fenron last week. Is what happened. Yeah, you should be appreciative of the fact that this guy is a great Total War Warhammer Two broadcaster. If you're into that game, check him out. Him and LHTV, best Total War Warhammer Two broadcasters for sure. You'll learn a lot about the game watching those guys. Monty says he was only watching the show for you, Kelby. There you go. I only uh, watch Overwatch League for money, so we're we're there. <laughs> <laughs> we're even. Yeah. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. If you didn't watch it uh, this past weekend or during, like right as the show was starting, I, I aired it. Uh, check out the behind the scenes uh, that I did with. I put it up on Saturday over on my YouTube channel. It's behind the scenes of of Travis Gafford's NALCS. Even if you just watch the first minute, uh, you should. I think you might enjoy it. Roden, who is a producer, I worked with him since Yahoo. He and I are trying to kind of come up with some cool premium content that kind of sits alongside the massive amount of LCS interviews we produce each week. And I'm kind of wanting to show off just how good this guy is at doing stuff. And I Emily think Emily just subbed. What's that? Whoa, Emily just subbed. She did. She did. Actually, Real Foxy gifted a sub to Emily. There oh, okay. There we go. No one actually subs to this channel. No, but uh, no, no famous people, at least. 
they know how incorrect everything we're saying is. Uh, but uh, Bro and I, I think he's just a super talented guy. Hopefully, that's the first of a bunch of different types of, of kind of cool, unique content we're going to be able to put out. And and really, it's kind of exploring what can we put out that is different from what Riot and the the teams put out. Um, and so I think that that behind the scenes thing was something I could only have come from uh, an individual like myself. So hopefully, we could see more stuff like that again in the future. But shout out to Broden for that. What, Mark? No, it can only come from me. It would yep. only come from an individual like Who myself. Else? Anyone? You? Anyone? You're on the analyst anybody. desk, the State Farm analyst desk, Mark. <laughs> anyone could have made that. It was good. I'm just saying, like, Bron's got some nice shots going on in there. Yeah. He also, knows how to aim the camera. Also, I loved in the Doublelift interview where he talked about Broden's aura. He, that dude, absolutely has an aura. Does he? Yeah, you don't feel you don't feel the chill, or maybe you're maybe you've become like indoctrinated into it already. But I think you though, smell the aura more than you feel the aura. I feel the aura, dude. Like you, I show up to that guy, he's just chill, he's got this smile on, he's like, "How's it going?" And you can tell he's just he's just a chill guy. Usually, he says yeah, no, nothing. Broden's really cool. Yeah, look, uh, all right. Listen, I wanted to praise Broden here at the end. Now you guys are praising him, so I feel like. You know what? Praise at the end of this, I, anti shout out to Broden. I will say one thing for Travis. Although I say many things for Travis, he picks the best producers consistently. Yeah, everybody likes the problem is everybody likes the producers more than they like me. That's sorry for the history. Yeah, but but that's why it's good that you have such a great eye for them because no one would if you didn't have good producers. Like if the yeah. producers weren't good, who would ever talk to you? Well, that's true. It takes a big person to pick somebody more likable than themselves to work with them, especially when they're an on-camera personality. The hippie Steve donated five dollars and said, "See you guys in Miami for the live show." And Go Clutch Gaming Go donated four twenty and said, "I found the CG social media guy. I told him what you said. He said he likes chain smokers." So there you go. Oh, yeah. that was a good. That was a good burn right yeah. back there. Fuck. Real Foxy also gifted a sub to Counterlogic Gaming. Welcome Counterlogic Gaming to the the party. Anyway, thanks everyone for watching. This has been the I think episode twelve. I believe. And uh, also thanks to Omen by HP for being our first sponsor ever on the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Hotline League.